Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Okay, welcome back to another episode of Above the Devil's Party. My name is Alice, and I'm joined by Dr. Peter Groves again today Hello. for the Bower of Bliss. The Bower of Bliss. Yes, uh, a slight correction to the last episode. <laughs> Just one of those little slips, but I said Guyon, but I meant Arthur about who was staying behind to deal with the the Maliga problem but I, nobody would have been confused by that because I don't think I thought the context made it clear that it was just a slip of the tongue yeah. there's another one in the one previously where you say Priam is Aeneas' son and I just oh. put that down to the pain meds but later on you <laughs> correct it and I was like whatever oh, okay. <laughs> they'll, they'll figure it out okay yep. yeah though yeah. So it does interestingly raise the question of why why it is that Guyon doesn't uh, doesn't do the great heroic thing at the end on the Book 11 and instead it's got the the kind of easier task of, of, of the gardening I suppose the gardening. <laughs> and in a way because you know a, a night of temperance is a slightly paradoxical thing a night of temperance is a night of you know self-restraint and and measured actions and um, and really going around chopping people's heads off and being uh. a sort of crazy night is not fully appropriate. And it's structural too as well, right? Arthur has to save the day. Well, yeah, that's it. That's his job. Book 11. Yes. <laughs> Every time. That's his, that's his position description. His training. Exactly. Exactly. It, look, this is, this is irrelevant. I cut it out, but there's a, there's a lovely episode of Red... You don't know Red Dwarf, though, do you? I need to watch it. I know. Ah, I'm okay, sorry. Well, I'm going to go into that. <laughs> okay. Because it would take too much setting up. Okay. So we begin with a very positive start here. Normally, you know, we're bewailing human weakness or something in these opening stanzas. Now gives this goodly frame of temperance fairly to rise, and her adorned head to prick of highest praise forth to advance. An interestingly neutral use of the word prick there, I suspect. I, I don't know. It's never neutral. Never neutral. <laughs> so he begins about building... He's talking about the, the whole book, isn't he? He's talking as poet in mm. this case. And, you know, not just as narrator, but as poet. And he's seeing temperance as a kind of man-made thing, you know, it sits on the top of turbulent nature, or nature as we get it from the fall, mm-hmm. um, to rectify it, to stabilise it, you know. It's always going to be a bit vulnerable. But it's something you have to do. You have to build it. You have to work at it. It's not just a... Uh, because I think often, you know, there's a sense that temperance is purely negative. Just mm. say no. <laughs> you know, that's, yeah. that's not enough. You need a frame. It's a positive relationship yeah. that you develop. Exactly. But you need a frame of ideas and a frame of assumptions on, uh, to, to make it work. And I think that's actually a rather good term because frame can mean that and it can also just mean a building. And, of course, there's a lovely symmetry in the fact that we begin by celebrating the rising frame of temperance and end with sort of celebrating the destroyed frame of the garden. Mm. So we've got a kind of... Yeah, 
frame, framework. Yes, framework. <laughs> yep. That's right. Yep. <clears throat> We're replacing our frames. Formerly grounded and fast settled on firm foundation of true bounty head. Bounty head. Um, uh, Harrison. Harrison. Hamilton. Hamilton. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Hamilton says that means virtue. Well, yeah, I suppose so. But it also means, primarily, means generosity. And I bounty, think, yeah. Bounty, yeah, exactly. Bounty is as boundless as the sea, yeah. Exactly. Um, and I think that's important here because bounty head, g- generosity, is like the secular version of charity. Mm. You, you give. You give of yourself. And you know, it's a fundamental truth about Christianity that... that all sins are in opposition to charity. All sins drive out charity. If you're if you're a glutton, you know you're not giving this stuff to the poor. Or if you're if you're avaricious, you're heaping up wealth for yourself while others starve. Thank goodness there are no no modern um, suggestions of that. You know, people <laughs> multi billionaires who won't let their <laughs> employees take a pee. They have to do it in a bottle. No, completely unheard of in this day. Yes, I know. We live in an Deans who don't work those stuff to death <laughs> That's right. can't relate whatsoever. Exactly, exactly. We live in such enlightened times. <laughs> <laughs> so, bounty head then is not just good in itself, generosity, but it's also a defence against these other, against all city in general, but particularly against intemperance. So it's uh, bounty can be kind of a secular version of fighting back against temperance. You know, you know. Well, yeah, well, it's a secular sorry, version uh, of charity. Uh, yeah, of, sorry, of, fighting yeah. back against sin. I was going to say, um, yeah, that's right. It's a form of charity that ennobles the soul, etc. Yeah, yeah, because charity always takes you outside yourself to consider the other person's position, mm. how they're doing. So, and yeah. you can't be, well, you can't be sort of miserly or avaricious, or on the other hand, um, wastefully spendthrift Mm. if you're thinking about the other person because those are both ways of nullifying the other person Mm. the central dictate of of, of Christian ethics is to treat other people as people and as objects essentially Mm -hmm. it's a sort of Kantian moral imperative (laughs) but we won't go into that yet On firm foundation of true bounty head, continuing the metaphor, of course, of this brave knight that for, that for that virtue fights now comes to point of that same perilous stead where pleasure dwells in sensual delights. Oh, I think prick and point might be a little pointed. Ah, uh, maybe well, <laughs> yes, because... Yes, exactly, because <clears throat> the, the key metaphor here is going to be sex. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Perhaps key was a... <laughs> Another. <laughs> it's a Freudian slip. <laughs> a Freudian slip, that's right. Among thousand dangers and ten thousand magic mites. Magic is an interesting. We'll come back to that theme of magic being developed here because, you know, we think of sex as natural. Um, but human sexuality is tied up with not literal magic. But um, you know, arts of, of seduction and so oh, yeah. that work like magic. You don't quite understand what's going on, but you're caught in the in the web, if you like. This, I mean, this probably doesn't happen with chimpanzees, does it? I don't know that there's much seduction going no. on. <laughs> <laughs> no rose petals if you're a chimpanzee. Well, that's right. Just here we are. Here we go. If you're a bonobo, in particular. <laughs> so we begin then with a sea journey. It's interesting, people. In memory, think that 
book 12 is entirely in the Garden of the Bower of Bliss. They move around a lot. Oh, they move around a lot. But here, of course, they've got a, a, an epic sea journey, mm. which is derived, of course, primarily from the Odyssey. Yeah. Um, and so we meet a few Odyssean things in here. I suppose it gives us a sense that this isn't going to be simple or straightforward or easy. You can't just sort of go next door and destroy the Bower of Bliss. You've got to kind of prepare yourself and it requires heroism and you've got to work towards it. You've got to face dangers and perils and, and all sorts of things like that mm. um, before you can actually... And, and, and it's a psychological and physical yes, feat. To exactly. Just, yeah, exactly. Pop down to level five and... Yes, yeah. deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Destroy, destroy the teacup. <laughs> yeah. And oversee, so again, over sensuality, sexuality. Yes, and that's yeah. important. Yeah. Okay. Yes, yes, because you're traveling. You're, you have to travel in it because you're a fleshy human being, not just you. Well, I am. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we all are. <laughs> but you mustn't be submerged, obviously. That's the point. That's the crucial point. You must master it as far as a boatman can So the boat them. here stands in for the horse as kind of yeah, the means of controlling Exactly, them. Yeah, okay. exactly. And, and notably, the, the, the oarsman here is, is um, the, the uh, partner of the partner. Palmer? Palmer. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. He's got another, a new sudden skill that we didn't know about. <laughs> the true hero. The true hero, yes. So... It's quite a long journey, so they've been two days in the, in the sea, not seeing any land. And on the third day, they hear a hideous roaring. Sounds the three. Then said the boatman, Palmer, steer aright. Keep an even course. That'd be very irritating advice, wouldn't it? You're in the middle of doing steer your job right. and steer steer aright, Palmer. Oh, I was going to drive us onto the rocks. <laughs> okay, <laughs> if you say so. <laughs> Beyond the way we need us pass, God do us well a quite. That is the gulf of greediness, they say. The deep engorgeth all this world as prey. Which having swallowed up excessively, he soon in vomit up against doth lay, and belcheth forth his superfluity. That all the seas for fear do seem the way to fly. <laughs> so rather, rather kind of physical... But it's obviously a sort of, um, well, a whirlpool, mm. a maelstrom. Schindler and Charybdis. Schindler and Charybdis are very Thank much... You. <laughs> <laughs> I can spell it. Schindler <laughs> and Charybdis. Schindler and Charybdis. Because um, Schindler's a whirlpool and Charybdis is rocks. rocks. Yeah. And you have to go between them and it's a very delicate balance. It's like apparently flying into Hong Kong before they built the new airport, you know. You're, <laughs> you're flying between two steep cliffs, essentially. Oh, okay, cool. It's a bit hairy. Yep. <clears throat> okay. I used to travel to school daily in Cyprus on a on a bus that we would hair around this cliff top road, you know, just inches from the edge with a deep plunge into the sea. <laughs> but the driver was used to it, you know. Hmm. I never got used to it. <laughs> yeah, clearly it's imprinted. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. So, Scylla and Charybdis. And in uh, the Odyssey, are they just whirlpool and rocks, or are they were someone turned into whirlpool and rocks? Uh, yeah, ultimately. Okay. Everything right. is, isn't it? Um, silly question. <laughs> but but it, hasn't, it doesn't have a kind of moral or allegorical okay. meaning. He's just got to steer the ship through. Yeah. And there's sirens after that. That's right. Yeah. yeah, trying to tempt him onto the rocks. <sighs> <laughs> the Lorelei 
which is the you know the German version. Because mm-hmm. it gets very much a romantic motif, the the siren. Um, so yes, yeah, a place you don't want to get sucked into. Now the real question is, what does it mean? We, we, we're a bit baffled as readers, I think, at this stage. Gulf greediness. Does this mean being too greedy? Are you to avoid that? We, th- we think about this pair, and they're an obvious metaphor for the golden mean. Ah. You're too Because <laughs> <laughs> you have to steer the middle way. Exactly. Right. You can't, say, you can't simply say, oh, well, I'm not going to go in there, so I'll go as far as possible away from it. You're lost. Yeah. So the question is then, what kind of golden mean are we steering through here? And obviously it's going to be to do with temperance in some way. But it's not immediately obvious. The rock of vile reproach, um, and hideous rock in spite of mighty magnus stone. Um, it's made of magnets, this, this hideous rock. They were felt to draw ships towards them because they thought the magnets would draw all the iron nails in the ships. You know, so. <laughs> yeah, well, well. <laughs> and it's rather threatening. It threatens to throw down his ragged rift on whoso cometh nigh. Yet nigh it draws all passengers that none from it can shift. Passengers, of course, passes by. Mm-hmm. Nothing. For whiles they fly that gulf's devouring jaws, they on this rock are rent and sunk in helpless wars, which are like waves. Mm. But also, you know, woes, I suppose. So, for they pass and strongly he them rose. So we're, we're still, I think, in a. We're still puzzling it out. He set us a little conundrum, a little question. As he does. As he does. As he yes. enjoys. Exactly. It's a teaching procedure. And we're thinking, hmm, I don't know. I don't know about this. So they're driving between the two. The huge abyss of his engulfing grave doth roar at them in vain, and with great terror rave. And again, we're still thinking, as he describes the whirlpool in line six, in stanza six, which is a bit like a sort of black hole, isn't it? Mm. It sucks in, but won't let it out. dreadful hole of Tartar steep. Yes, exactly. And Tartar, of course, is hell. Hell, yeah. Um, so it's like hell. Hell will readily suck you in, but it won't vomit you up again, basically. Mm. Remember, we, we've had this... Oh, yeah, I'm just thinking about what puzzle is. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm puzzling. <laughs> well, it puzzled me when I, when I first read it. Bacalus, Bacalus descensus Savannah. Easy the descent into hell. Mm. But getting out again. Very difficult. Yeah. Little Virgil. Um, On the other side, stanza seven, they saw that perilous rock threatening itself on them to ruinate. Literally to fall, of course. A ruin is a fall. On whose sharp cliffs the ribs of vessels broke and shivered ships, which had been wrecked late. A nice little hint from him there. Broke. Bankrupt? Yeah, bankrupt. Skint. (laughs) <laughs> so so it's something to do with bankruptcy of the soul well no no much more literal than that okay it's stuck with carcasses exanimate of such as having all their substance spent in wanton joys and lust hang and on a second <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly suddenly it's becoming clear um did afterwards make shipwrecks vile in both of their life and fame very valuable so you spend all your substance on the rocks. <laughs> well, yes, wine, women, and song, or wine, or whatever gender you prefer in yeah. song. <laughs> yes, uh, any any variety of song you like, and sooner or later you end up 
bankrupt. Bankrupt. The rock of vile reproach because people, you know. So is this kind of like um, poor attitudes or intemperate attitudes to sexuality? These two rocks? No. No. Well, no. First Um, guess. Uh, <laughs> I get three, and otherwise Peter pushes me. Then out the you window. turn into a pumpkin. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, if you're a pumpkin, you might bounce. And... If I if I was a pumpkin, I would have no chores <laughs> or academic tasks exactly. or pressure. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Something to be said for it. <laughs> Please. Well, it's 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 very much the problem of the grill at the end of this canto, isn't it? Let grill be grilled and have his hoggish mind. Grill looks better and better to me as the weeks go by. I know. Is it better to be a happy pig or an unhappy sad Socrates? Academic. Um, or, yeah. or sad academic. <laughs> Did Socrates have to mark essays? Uh. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. Well, because I mean, look, you might you might be sending your money on anything. Nigerian princes. Nigerian princes. Rare books. Rare books, you know, uh, calf bound folios from the 16th century. Don't threaten me with a good time. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. The pokies. It doesn't really matter. The point is you expend your, yourself on this. And as we, as we know from Dante, mm. well, well, we means. We. we. Not you. Sorry. Yes. Well, <laughs> <laughs> subscribe to the Patreon. <laughs> that was a joke. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Um, yeah, <laughs> we should. I mean, we could have made a podcast of that. Right? I have thought many times we should have been recording you the whole way through, but it felt rude oh. to be like, Peter, could you just? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, the, the point is that um, there's an old tradition, a Roman tradition, it's partly Aristotelian, that sees your worldly goods as an, a kind of extension of yourself, as you know what Richard Dawkins calls the extended phenotype. So if someone comes and burns down your barn, it's an aggression towards you as well because it's your worldlihood, your livelihood. It's that's right. You and your identity. Your identity. Yeah, Mm. yeah. You know, and the modern the modern phenomenon of identity theft has really brought this to the fore because if somebody steals your identity, they're kind of stealing you. Mm. Mm. So yes, there is that idea lurking or floating around in the background. That in other words, you might think, "Well, it's my money. I can spend it on." whatever it doesn't matter but that's like saying it's my soul I can jump off this cliff I like God won't mind because it's my soul but it's not your soul it's God's and it's not your money you're not your goods they're ultimately God's too they're all lent from God God seems to be the problem here God yes <laughs> I think so <clears throat> so there is in other words a, a moral culpability in this which is equivalent to not far removed from suicide Right. Which, as we know, it doesn't get a good press in the Fairy Queen. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, don't spend your substance on wanton joys. Is the that's not, the puzzle? Well, you see, it's sort of. Okay. So, what, what's going to happen? You think to yourself, oh, right? I won't spend my substance on wanton joys. Damn it! I won't spend it on dinner either. I won't spend it on anything. I'll keep it all in the bank or in a big pot so I can see all my gold growing in front of my eyes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So instead of, instead of, you know, spending your time in Joyce Jolliment, you become mammon in his cave, counting his gold. But the point is you're just as much admired in the physical world, in the material world, in property, in goods, as you are in either case. You're, you're, You're both turning riches, money, into an end 
rather than a means. Mm. You know, as a means, first of all, it keeps you alive. You, you, Very good. You need you good, yeah. Think, you apparently. Use your substance and your dog. Keeps your dog alive too. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> but then secondly, you have excess. You spend on the poor. Mm-hmm. You you give you give charitably. Indeed, this is the whole point of what we were saying about earlier. What was the phrase? Um, the idea of charity. Oh, bounty head. True bounty head. Mm. You, you, you're, you're in a position to practice true bounty head, which is at the core of the gospel message, of course. I was in prison and you visited me. I was sick and you tended me. me and all soup. that. Yeah. Yeah, gave me soup. <laughs> There's chicken soup. <laughs> <laughs> Yep. Maybe vegan chicken soup if you, you know. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> right. All that stuff. But you can't do that if you've either, A, put it in a great, you know, pot and buried it in the ground. Or spent or it at the B, pokies. spent it at the pokies. Right. So, so he's reminding us of what we've learnt in the Cave of Mammon as we go through yes, the Bower of Yes, 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 like, and yes again. Hey, idiot, listen up. <laughs> yes, he's building, right. he's building a fair frame. Yeah. And so he's, you know, making sure that and in that frame, there are all these hints of what's coming, you know, sexuality, yeah, um, yeah. you know, treatment of everyone else. Exactly. Yeah. Good government of the soul. Okay. Exactly. Right. So, you know, uh, because of course, if, if, you, if you took a rather simplistic view of the Christian message, you might think, well, I mustn't, I mustn't indulge in wealth and so on and spending. I should go and live in a cave uh, and, live it, and wear rags and beat myself with birch twigs every morning. But no. That's not good either. No, it's looking more and more <laughs> yeah. lovely. <laughs> That's right. Or being since to be in stylites at the top of your pole. <laughs> Hi. Just throw me a book up every couple of days. That's right. Which I think he had a little hoist, you know. <laughs> we could podcast like that. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, in other words, what he's saying is that these are simply two ways of being too attached to the world and therefore detached not just from God and from spiritual matters and these other lovely things, but from other human beings. Yeah, and, because, and your attachment to other human beings is kind of a reflection of your own attachment with your soul and then God, so that yeah. is like a reflection of how you're doing. Exactly. There, right, Exactly, okay. exactly, yeah, yeah. And we're being reminded of this before we're, we go in. That's right. Because remember, very, very, very broadly, book one is about your relation to God book two is kind of about your relation to other humans in in society in the world on a, on, it's like level one relationship to other yes. humans and then by the time you get to courtesy it's like level eight yes that's right because <laughs> he builds exactly yeah. he builds a goodly frame but you can't have a good relationship with other humans until you have a good relationship with God so he's like, yeah yes yeah. that's right I gotcha exactly exactly <clears throat> so that's the that's the um, that's the setup. That's set up, and, and that's the explanation of this, which you have to puzzle out for yourself because he's not going to help you. Well, not much, anyway. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> for thy, stands right, this height, the rock of vile reproach, a dangerous and detestable place. That's nice. To which, yeah, you're cutting us off from, from society in there. Mm. You know, to which no fish nor fowl did once approach, but yelling mews with seagulls, horse and base, and cormorants with birds of a ravenous race which still sat waiting on the wasteful cliff for spoils of wretches, whose unhappy case after lost credit and consumed thrift, which of course is very topical, mm-hmm. uh, lost credit, uh, last them driven half to this despairful drift. Cormorants. 
cormorants. Yes. Satan sat like a cormorant. He did, mm. yes. Because cormorants devour their big beaks and they devour. Okay. Predatory. They're predatory. Figures, yeah. Yeah. And also, you might have heard echoes or pre echoes or anticipations <laughs> of the fate of Milton's paradise in there. Remember? It turns into an island, breaks off on the mainland, and becomes the, the haunt of Seamew's clang. You know, lonely bird. Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah. I definitely. I mean, I think that's definitely in there. <clears> isn't <throat> no question. Someone said the other day that I experienced life in, in relation to Milton constantly. I'm always like, did that? <laughs> was that a response to Milton? <laughs> did it anticipate Milton? Is that Milton himself? <laughs> and why not? <laughs> it's a good way to live. Good way to live. Yeah. Better than doing that in relation to Big Brother or something. Amen. <laughs> or Twilight. Twilight. Mm. <laughs> I have, I've, I'm pleased to say I've never experienced Twilight. Stay away. <laughs> or Big Brother, actually. <laughs> so forth they rode, and that, and that ferry man with his stiff oars didn't brush the sea so strong. I like the way he brushes the sea. Um, he's not going to get too involved in it, which is an appropriate response to it. You can't avoid it. You've got to be on the surface, but you're brushing it, which is kind of like a, a minimal contact for useful progress Just through it. Dipping, yeah, an appendage well, in like a, sensuality. <laughs> well, like a pastry brush, you know. You don't want to soak your pastry brush, do you? No. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, you're right. <laughs> um, that the whole waters from his frigate ran. And the light bubbles danced it all along. A little, a little suggestion there of Phaedria who's coming up again. Mm. Last far off, there are many islands spy, and every side floating the floods among. And these are the wandering islands, which replace the wandering rocks in, in, in the Odyssey, of course. Okay. Um, Lo, I the land descry, therefore, old sire, thy course do thereunto apply. So I suppose wandering islands are they're kind of like. Um, a metaphor for this world of instability. Fallen you know. world? Fallen world, yes. Mm. Like, you know, the sandy hill on which the House of Pride is built. It's not stable. Yeah. So nothing, uh, nothing except God is stable. The rest is smoke. Mm. That's, that's St. Someone or other. I forget. Let me just name all Christian names in the world and we'll get them. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> Thomas Augustine. That's, <laughs> right. That's right. This may not be, said then the ferryman. This may not be on a to be foredone. But those same islands, seeming now and then, are not firm land, nor any certain one dwelling, but straggling plots which do and fro do run in the wide waters. Therefore they hide the wandering islands. Therefore do them shun. They are oft drawn many a wandering white into most dreadly danger and distressed plight. It's like the next level up of the Wood of Error. Yes, yes, that's right. Yeah. Yes. It's, in a way, it's taking up the whole landscape, isn't it? Mm. At least you could skirt the Wood of Error, I suppose. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yet well they seem to him that far doth view both fair and fruitful. Mm. And the ground, and when, of course, we know this mechanism. That's how sin sucks you in. Locus Aminus. Yes. The ground is spread with grassy green of delectable hue. 
and the tall trees with leaves of parallel are decked with blossoms dyed in white and red. It's quite a nice way he just suggests there that all this is fake. The tall trees are apparel, yes, that's right, and they're decked. Dyed. Yes, exactly, mm. exactly. Like we've come out of some, you know, Japanese factory for, for, for stage set. There is a, there's, there's a, 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 a Japanese factory that makes mock Tudor pubs in kit form. Can you imagine anything more hideous? The human race every day disappoints me further. I know. That's right. I would like to clock out. <laughs> exactly. Stop the world. I want to get off. <laughs> yeah. And decked with blossoms dyed in white and red that mote the passages there to allure. But whomsoever once hath fastened it, for thereon may never it recur, but wandereth evermore uncertain and unsure. And of course, I, I don't think this is a, 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 an anticipation or pre-hint, but remember Milton's whale, the Leviathan, the, oh, the, the Leviathan, yes, yeah, yeah. anchor in, yes. It's the same idea, you're putting your trust in what looks like a firm island, but in fact is <laughs> nothing of the sort, and designed to allure you, to drag you in, mm. that you may be dragged down. The unsuspecting pilot, yeah. Yeah. Telos will on men report amid the Aegean Sea a long time did stray and made for shipping. Any certain port till that Latona travelling that way, flying from Juno's wrath and hard to save, her fair twins was there delivered. Afterward it ruled the night and day. Thenceforth it firmly was established, and for Apollo's honour, highly heriad. <laughs> oh, uh, praised. Okay. Yeah. So this is where Latona gives birth to the twins Apollo and and uh, Diana, and thenceforth it ceases to be a kind of cursed wandering place and becomes stable. I suppose is it it's a fall? Well, this is a, this is a riser. Yeah, isn't it? I was going to say a, a, an undoing of the fall. <coughs> I mean, locally. Locally. New birth, yeah, locally. <laughs> My garden's on fall and I made it so. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, this is... Uh, this is Bethlehem, really, isn't it? This is, you know, the golden born. Okay, yeah, right. I suppose. Bethlehem al- analogue. Yeah. That's right. I'm the, and, and there are so many myths about Bethlehem and the Christ child and, you know, blessing things and things grow where he looketh and shrivel up where he looketh away and it's reading something that said if you if you condense the history of the earth into 24 hours human humans on the earth would be the last 2000th of the second yes and the first 2000 would get up to Egypt ancient Egypt and then the rest is the last thousandth of a second and yet all of our society is based off this one dude <laughs> that's right <clears throat> that's right <clears throat> And a very large number of Americans think the Earth is 6,000 years old. It's hair-raising. What you can learn from YouTube. So they spy sitting on the bank here. Oh, and the white they need must pass and by, line 14, stanza uh, 14, one of those same islands, which seems so sweet and pleasant to the eye that it would tempt a man to touch him there. Meaning, I suppose, stop there, but obviously, yeah. Mm-hmm. Upon the bank they sitting did espy a dainty damsel, dressing of her hair. 
by whom a little skibbet floating did appear, a little, little boat. Dressing of her hair. Innocent. Tra- completely innocent. Yes, that's right. <laughs> well, the, 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 the dressing of the hair, the combing of the hair, is very much a motif with this um, figure. Rossetti. Oh, yes, exactly, Rossetti. And, and, oh, that, and that famous um, the mermaid of... Uh, who, it's not Rossetti, but it's a... Uh, Somebody just after, or about the same time as the Pre-Raphaelites. Uh, <laughs> we could stick this in later, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> yes. um, but it's a lovely picture. Okay. Is someone brushing their hair? Yes. Sitting on a rock. And as close to sort of, what should we say, soft porn as the Victorians were ever likely to get. So there was a titty popped out. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. 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 And, and, and much more of the female <laughs> body than you'd ever see in the street. Yeah. Hmm. And she was just brushing her hair. Don't you hate it when you're brushing your hair and a titty pops out? Um, <laughs> exactly. exactly. <laughs> right. So, but again, it's an innocent... She's just brushing. Yes. It's us who get sucked in. Well, and of course, we think of Heine. We think of the Lorelei. Ah, and the siren sat on rocks. That's right. Ich weiß nicht, was alles bedeuten, dass ich so traurig bin. But in that case, they are agents trying to tempt us. No, not this no. one. It's yeah, well, that's what I mean. In this one, it's not. It's a diversion. No, but not in Heine's. Heine's is very oh, interesting. Right, okay. And this is why it's actually all very interesting because it connects strongly again with Keats's Bill Dams on the Yeah, yeah. Because Heine's Lorelei, call him a Lorelei, <laughs> who, of course, in myth, yes, seduces mariners to their doom. Mm-hmm. She's just sitting up there. She's coming here and she's singing a lovely song. She, then the, friend, the the sea captain below gets all frenziedly, you know, desirous of her and <laughs> drives his ship onto the rocks. She doesn't even notice. She's not doing anything to the mariner. She's just sitting there, combing her hair, and as far as she knows, uh, perfectly private. Mm. She's being perved upon without suspecting it. The man is the problem. Yeah. And, and, and the idea that he she is luring him on is all a kind of torrid fantasy that's boiling away in his brain. It's a projection of male anxiety, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. And this actually, this is important because it seems to me to be a very important theme of the whole garden, the Bower of Bliss, but we'll, we'll, we'll enlarge on mm. that when we reach it. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting. And I think it's exactly the same with Keats. Keats sees through this and he sees that, you know, um, the, 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 the girl in the woods is just doing her thing in the woods you know the, the night alone and palely loitering yes. was the problem stop loitering <laughs> that's right he imposes everything on her and all the stuff about her betraying and deceiving and tormenting and so on that's a dream he made it up yeah yeah or part of it made it up mm. um, so I think that's actually very interesting that both of these romantic writers have seen through this myth as a sort of male fantasy of female Dangerous, sexual dangerousness. Mm, the femme fatale. The femme fatale, absolutely, yeah. 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 And rejected it and said, no, no, you're, you're putting all this on there, Jack. Mm. But the funny thing is that people still read the Keats in that way, uh, as in, in the traditional as way. As just a femme fatale, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Rather, rather than a rejection of the tradition. Yes, yeah. exactly. So that everything that looks like innocence is read as cunning deceit. Mm. She's brushing her hair, guys. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Could you get a more innocuous thing? <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, so we, we should bear this in mind. Of course, we, we, it's, there's a bit more here. 
she them espying loud to them can call bidding them nigher drawn to the shore for she, well, <laughs> for she had cause to busy them with all cause meaning like a legal term I suppose um, it can also mean a case a legal case a case a cause but of course a case yep. yeah exactly <laughs> exactly um, and they were all they with loudly laughed but another more were they would they once turn but kept on as a four which when she saw she left her locks undiked uh oh mm. <laughs> anytime I text you it gives me a smile knowing that that's how it arrived <laughs> <laughs> and run to her boat without an oar from the departing land is launched light enough for them to strive drive with all her power and might so there's no question that, that, that Spencer is presenting the traditional myth that you're going to expect mm. Spencer's subtlety comes from the fact that he presents you with these traditional myths that arise out of you know, various kinds of, in this case, patriarchal prejudice and so on. Mm-hmm. But he also gives you ammunition to undermine them, yeah. to question them. Yeah. He's not just, he's not just you know, preaching. So yes, her, her locks are undyte in this case, which can suggest a number of things. Including, of course, a lack of restraint, because as we've seen, a woman's hair properly restrained. Her locks undyed. Undyed, mm. oh, that's no good. And it could even suggest despair or something like that, or some, some kind of looseness or failure of self control. Because remember that Alma's hair is perfectly all in place. Ornate, yeah. yes. And, and not just bound up tightly, like carefully yes. braided and put yes, together. Yeah, exactly. Buffy's hair is wild in the wind, but in a good way. Yeah. Phaedra is... You could write a treatise on, on female hair you, in Spencer. Well, in poetry. <laughs> poetry. Poetry, that's right. <clears throat> exactly so. Whoever taking she in merry sort began to board. <laughs> nice little pun. I'm coming on board. That's right. <laughs> so to board is to accost... Um... As in Twelfth Night, uh, where Toby says to Sir Andrew, Sir Andrew, um, this is good. Uh, this is um, Mistress Mary, and he says, "Good Mistress Mary, uh, bought her." He says, "Bought her, woo her." And he says, "Good Mistress Mary, a cost, because the cost is bored, woo." It's, it's not much of a joke in, in modern terms, but it's playing on that same idea of a cost meaning. Awkward. Right, gotcha. Yes, it's not. It's not a rib tickler. <laughs> <laughs> now feigning dalliance and wanton sport, and that word wanton, and mm-hmm. of course sport. Again, we should have a little bell for sexual signification. <laughs> I'm sure I can come up with one. <laughs> Yet another euphemism. <laughs> Yet another euphemism. <clears throat> now throwing forth lewd words in modesty, so that the palmer again fall bitterly hurt to rebuke. <laughs> For being loose and light, which not abiding, but more scornfully scoffing at him, <laughs> did her justly white. She turned her boat about, and from the road quite. <laughs> Goodbye then. <laughs> yes, exactly. exactly. Yes. yes, she's not getting much change out of the palmer. He's funny. <laughs> yes, that's right. Yes, you, you've got some strong visual image of him, don't you? Yeah. 
<laughs> and he's a Blackadder character in my yeah. head. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. The only person who seems to know what's really going on, honestly, he probably is Edmund. <laughs> Just like, what are we doing? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, this is the wanton Faidria, of course, who mm-hmm. he originally rejected. Did not get, not wanted to get into a boat. Um, ding, ding, ding. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> now, so we do see... We do see a process, and it's slow, and it's not always forward, but we see a, a progress of a guy on learning and getting better and dealing with these things. Yeah, because he doesn't really respond to Phaedra. No. <laughs> he lets the Palmer Center off. Exactly. He's, <laughs> he's had his fingers burned there or something. Yeah. With them the very boatman thus bespake, Here now behoveth us, behoveth us well. Here now behoveth us well to advise. That's right. And of our safety, good heed to take. For here before a perilous passage lies, which many mermaids haunt, making false melody. So, again, it's the same motif. Um, you know, if you want to be pernickety, you can distinguish mermaids and nymphs and various other creatures. That sit sirens. On. Sirens, yeah. yeah. But they're all in the same mythological basket, aren't they? Yeah. Women sitting on rocks. Yes. Tempting you to smash your ship. Exactly. So male fear of female sexuality is a sort of a lure, a deceit, an underhanded thing, mm. kind of, and a danger and a threat. Mm. Yeah. By the way, there's a great quicksand and a whirlpool of hidden jeopardy. <laughs> <laughs> and that, of course, whirlpool is the one we've just been talking mm-hmm. about. Therefore, Swahama, keep an even hand, for twixt them both the narrow way doth lie. Scarce had he said, when hard at hand they spy the quicksand nigh. With water covered, but by the checkered wave they did descry it plain, and by the sea discoloured. It was it called it was the quicksand of unthrifty head. So that's again the same idea of extravagant. Yeah, spendthrift. Yeah. Spendthrift. You don't see quicksand much now, do you? It, there's a John Mulaney joke about this: how it's a fear developed in childhood that is never realised. <laughs> That's you right. You have an unhealthy fear of quicksand. That's actually true. Yeah. I remember as a child, we yeah. worried about quicksand. Yes, because yeah, it was never. Because it was often a, a plot motif. Yep. Unfortunately. <laughs> Not encountered at once. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Probably, probably because of the way land has been drained since then. You know, lots of England was. Swampy and marshy, and so on. <laughs> and it's since been drained. Yes. Anyway, yeah, that's right. They passing by a goodly ship did see, laden from far with precious merchandise and bravely furnished, as a ship might be, which through great disadventure or misprize. Disadventure means, well, yeah, maybe it was bad luck. But actually, you know, when, when, when shit happens at sea, it's probably not bad luck entirely. Probably you were doing the wrong thing or got yes. caught up in some trouble you shouldn't have been looking into. Exactly. Yeah. But slight detour here, but it's it's interesting. This is why the Royal Navy in England developed a meritocracy, that is to say, promoted you on merit, much 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 sooner than the British Army. The British Army didn't have a meritocracy till well into the nineteenth century. You got a you got a post as a colonel of a regiment because your father had been there or or because somebody bought it for you or because you could be a complete nincompoop and often were mm. you know <laughs> look at look at the total shimozzle of the, of the Crimean War mm. but that's because if something goes wrong in a battle it's not always obvious how that happened you know yeah <laughs> <laughs> exactly it was his fault no it was his fault uh-huh. um, 
if if your ship runs aground, the captain's to blame. <laughs> yeah. So a disaster at sea is down to one or two people. You know, disaster on land could be anything. So they they thought, oh, well, maybe we should put people in charge of, of warships who... Are good at being in charge of warships. Yes. Yeah, yeah revolutionary idea. Because <laughs> it went against the whole tenor of, you know, a, a hierarchical stratified society. Uh-huh. But... Maybe we could try it, you know. And it works. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Exactly right. So it probably isn't um, mis- misadventure. <clears throat> it's probably misprise, which is interesting. Misprise can mean it can mean distrust, or it can mean mis taking. I don't mean just mistaking, but but, but mis theft. Oh, no, 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 no. I mean, um, estimating things incorrectly. Ah, misunderstanding, misinterpreting? Misinterpreting, yes, that's right. Misinterpreting, which of course is all about, you know, if you're to be a good moral actor in the world, you've got to interpret. You've got to, you know, distinguish good motives from bad motives. Mm. Um, Woman who wants to eat you alive, sitting on rock, combing her hair, as opposed to nice lady offering you apples in a basket. Um... Not sure how that. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah, you've got to figure out the difference. Yes, and maybe the apples are poisoned, but probably not. You know, you could you could use your intelligence. Depends on the hair of the lady offering the apples. That'll be a clue. Yeah. Good point. Good point. <laughs> oh no, it's nicely bound. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. So um, it's going to be your fault ultimately. You are taking things wrongly. You're not looking to them. You think the water is this deep. But in fact, it's only this deep and you run aground, you know. I, I suppose so much of seafaring was your ability to oh, God, read yes. situations. Yeah, that's yeah. right. And I'm sure the army was the same, it's just you could get away with doing it badly and not be blamed. Yeah. Okay. Well, because there were so many people involved, yeah. yeah. But that's right, the ship, yeah, you misread it and you're, you're stuffed. And it's everyone. It's not just like, oh, the poor. It's the yes. It's the privates. It's, it's everyone. That's right. <laughs> yeah. That's right, yeah. Um, you know. One, I mean, one reason Cook was so valuable is he was an amazing navigator. He navigated the... Go on, sorry. <laughs> the, oh, the Great Barrier Reef, you know, and he almost got ripped apart at one point. And, but he was just had some kind of, you know, instinct. He was good at not mispreasing. <laughs> not so good with people, you know. Um, I've heard as much. <laughs> yes. Or um, uh, indigenous inhabitants. <laughs> well, that, that's not what I meant. You know. Yeah. All oh, right. Okay. <laughs> <clears throat> yes. um, Joseph Priestley was meant to be his astronomer. He was his first pick, but oh. religious reasons. Oh, yeah. Yes, of course, because Unitarian. Mm. Mm. Interesting. Mm. Interesting. And of course, Captain Bly was a brilliant navigator, but absolute shit with people. <laughs> was that Cook's navigator? No, no, Captain Bly. You know. You know. What did he find? Oh well, he was. <laughs> He, he was governor of New South Wales at one point and started a whole rebellion called the Rum Rebellion. You've heard of the Rum Rebellion? Oh, I've heard of the Rum Rebellion. Yes. Yeah, okay. That's yeah. Why. But oh. he, was a, he was such a terrible manager, should we say. Damn good navigator, terrible manager. They, 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 there was a mutiny on the bounty. Oh, a mutiny on the bounty head? No, no, the bounty. Called the bounty. Mutiny on the bounty. Yeah, that's... Yeah. Um, um, Get off my quarterdeck, Mr. <laughs> Christian. The, the poem, the Wordsworth poem is based on it. Yeah, that's right. Then they went and founded Pitcairn. Yeah, well, they went exactly. They went to Pitcairn Island and married with the native women, and if that's not a euphemism, 
<laughs> and produce that's right. And there's still offspring on Pitcairn Island, but the mutineers had they had enough of his ship. Basically, they put him overboard with a, a couple of trace trusty types and a bit of food and a compass <coughs> in, in a longboat in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. <laughs> and said, "You're on your own, buddy," <laughs> and he navigated back home. That's pretty cool. Oh, he's, he was an amazing navigator, but yeah, as I said, a, a rubbish. Dude. <laughs> well, he wasn't, he wasn't a people person. Miss Prize herself had run into this hazard eyes. In fact, that's rather nice, isn't it? The phrase herself had run into that hazard eyes leaves the question of, of agency open. Mm. Was it a mistake? Or, there are some languages where you can't do that. You've got to kind of specify one way or the other. But in English, you can leave it open. If that was Spanish, you'd have to more or less specify whether it was an accident or deliberate. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's neither here nor there. Whose mariners and merchants with much toil laboured in vain to have recured their prize and the rich wares to save from piteous spoil, but neither toil nor travel might her back record. So, you know, in navigating these difficult waters, you've got to be skillful, you've got to be on the ball. And again, you know, this is a kind of elaboration of a theme that we've seen again and again the idea that vigilance is the price of um, moral. Correct moral choosing, if you like. You, mm. you've, you can't just constant vigilance. Yes, yeah. you can't just punch on your instincts. No, which is so funny because today we don't think of it as we think of it as oh, that's just the way you respond in the moment, and that's a good way of kind of understanding the way people work. But we don't value the kind of sitting back and thinking and yeah, and pontificating. Well, that <laughs> happened during my lifetime. Really, it happened really in the kind of sixties and seventies. Really? Yeah. It's like it was what you do in the moment rather than like how did you sit back and think that's, about it? And that's decide. right. Yeah. But the vibes, man, the vibes told me to do it. It's, I've had to tax the word vibes in my first year oh, class. Oh, good. So. But I, I'm <laughs> amazed. Three vibes a lesson. <laughs> I'm amazed that's come back because um, it was slang in my childhood. Oh, it's back. It's but back. it's like. It's such a catch-all for everything. I know. Oh, yeah, the vibes were off. It's like, what does that mean? Yes. <laughs> Qualify that with some textual evidence, would you? <laughs> My complex intuitional response was um, insufficient to, to assure me that it was a safe situation. <laughs> In turn of the screw, at the very opening turn of the screw, um, she says, um, I remember the whole beginning as a series of flights and drops a succession of the right throbs and the wrong. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> ding, 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 ding. <laughs> exactly. But throbs, I suppose, was Edwardian for vibes. So it's... Throbs. <laughs> the throbs were off. <laughs> the throbs were off. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'll be introducing that this afternoon. Yes. Yeah, they get them to substitute it for vibes. <laughs> On the other side, they see that perilous pool that was called the whirlpool of decay, in which for many a head with hapless duel being sunk from no memory did say. The circled waters wrapped with whirling sway like to a restless wheel still running round did covet as they passed it by that way to draw their boat within the utmost bound. You see how subtly he uses that word covet there. Mm. It, the, 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 the thing wants to draw them in, it covets them. But of course we use covetous to mean avaricious. The miser yeah. covets his gold. Mm. Or somebody else's gold there. All too. the languages are morally... Yes. It's generating all these metaphors. Yeah, it? yeah. Yes, yes. Metaphorically generative. No, oh, I like it. Does that work? Yeah. Keeping it. You could even speak of metaphorogenerativity. 
<laughs> they know it wasn't me. <laughs> uh, Ducovet, they passed it by that way to draw their boat within the utmost bound of his wide labyrinth, and then to have them drowned. And again, the labyrinth is commonly used for hell again, isn't it? Because you can get into the labyrinth easy peasy. You can't get out. Yeah. And you got to, Unless you've yeah. got a ball of wool. Which... Theseus, Theseus does when he's in the labyrinth. But it was Mental. Ariadne who thought of it and gave it to him. Ariadne. His, his girlfriend thought of it, except he abandoned her. Yeah. Mm. Yep, but that's how it goes. <laughs> that's good. But you know what the, the older English for a ball of wool is? The word a clue? Is, yes. Yes. So that's where our, our sense of clue comes from, in the sense of, you know, Inspector Clouseau and Cluedo. And mm. I had the clue. It's, cl- it's cool. It's cool, isn't it? <laughs> it is. I like etymology. It's fun. Good vibes. Yes. Good throbs. <laughs> Good throbs. <laughs> That's right. But heedful boatman strongly forth did stretch his brawny arms, you see. His can be moral strength here. And all his body strained to the utmost sandy reach they surely fetch. That's reach, of course. While the dread danger doth behind remain. Suddenly see from midst of all the main the surging waters like a mountain rise and the great sea puffed up with proud disdain, the kind of ding, tsunami. Ding, ding, ding. Yes. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and also, you know, the moral thing too, pride puffeth up. Mm. Mm. To swell above the measure of his... And proud meaning... Erect. Erect. Thank you. You're yes, welcome. That's, that's the word. I got you. <laughs> I was trying to find a less... Loaded term, but call a spade a dick to swell above the measure of his guys. Mm. In fact, he's almost laying it on with a trowel there, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, that's what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Less of a ding and more of a bam, <laughs> as threatening to devour all of his power despise. Yeah, so mm. watch out, just watch out. The waves come rolling and the billows roar outrageously as they enraged were. By the way, this is the longest canto in the whole of the poem. The whole poem? Oh, Fairy Queen, yeah. It sure is. It's, uh, it's going to take us a little bit. So oh. we might not get this in... screwed. <laughs> 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 well, we might not get it into one episode. Um, it might be three at this rate. <laughs> but we will... But I do think... I like lingering on the details too, you know. Someone will find this useful at some point. Yeah. If not, this is a very valuable record for me. Um. <laughs> exactly, exactly. If you do find it useful, please email. email. Yeah, please email. At the devil's party at gmail.com or yeah. uh, of the devil's party at Instagram, you can message me. Someone did, I will show you the hilarious message um, today. Excellent, excellent. Not a helpful one. No? <laughs> no, it's funny. <laughs> yeah. Join us. Yeah, yeah, join. Yeah, do. The waves came rolling and the billows roared outrageously as they enraged were. Remember, enraged, rage is used for frustrated sexual desire as opposed to, you know, wrath or ire. As Milton carefully distinguishes them in book nine, ten, oh, nine, 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 nine. nine. <laughs> <laughs> Did them drive before his whirling chariot, far exceeding fear. For not one puff of wind they did appear, that all the three thereat were much afraid, unweeting. What such horror, strangeness. It's a rather gothic moment. There's towering waves, but there's no wind driving them. Something's mm. driving them. It's very ancient mariner. Yeah, it is, isn't it? That's mm. right, yes. Um, there's a little anthropology there, isn't there? Unweeting, what strange horror. 
what such horror strange did rear. Which stanza are you with? Uh, back back in twenty two. Oh right. Third from the end, unweeting what what such horror strange did rear. Do they not know what such strange horror was rearing? What's the object of it? Or what strange horror that they can't see was rearing the waves? Or they both? Yes. It's an anthropology. (laughs) (laughs) It seems they saw a hideous host array of huge sea monsters such as living sense dismayed. Sea monsters are interesting, aren't they? Because... They're hidden, they come from the depth. They're kind of devilish. They're devilish. They're from the underworld. Yes. They're spooky. And of course, if this were a much more recent poem, you'd say unquestionably, they're from the unconscious. But I think that Spencer had some kind of grasp of the idea of the unconscious, even though it's got... I mean, all, all, the, all the great Elizabethan... Well... Okay. Most of the great. Yes. <laughs> but, you know, um, certainly... Shakespeare and Spencer and Milton all seem to have some idea of a kind of well of ideas that's below the threshold of graspability, but somehow feeds into the through through dream and through nightmare and through universal yeah union. aspects of the human human condition. That's right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And and it's kind of frightening and weird and so on. Although if you get more familiar with it, it's less so. But I. Again, I would like to have to defend this in a formal you know, setting, but it seems to me to be a reasonable. Yeah, it's, way it's of very thinking. hard to point to evidence. It's more just yeah. you seep yourself in it and it becomes apparent. Yes, that's right, that's right. I mean, it's certainly apparent. I mean, in Shakespeare, it's clear as a, clear as a, a bell. A bell. <laughs> yes, a bell. <laughs> Most ugly shapes and horrible aspects. Such as Dame Nature herself might fear to see. Mm. A shame that ever should be so should so foul defects from her most cunning hand escape it be. All dreadful portraits of deformity, spring headed hydras and sea shouldering whales. There's a lovely line. Sea shouldering whales. <laughs> Great whirlpools that your fishes make to flee. Bright scolopendrias armed with silver scales. Shakespeare seems to have pulled that one out of his bottom. There's no Spencer. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Spencer. Yeah. I, spent that as, I said Shakespeare, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> Mighty Molosserosses with a measured tail. <laughs> He's just throwing a dart at lettuce. <laughs> I know, that's right. That's right. But it's it's the it's the imagination, you know, bringing forth, giving to local airy nothing and local habitation of the name. Mm. I mean, you know, Spencer was undoubtedly interested in this whole debate about the nature of... Well, in fact, it's crucial. In fact, come to think of it, it's particularly crucial in this canto. The whole notion of the imagination, to what extent the imagination can function as a, a tool of discovery and revelation, rather than as merely a kind of weird dream you had because you ate too much Gruyere. Porridge, yeah. Or yep, porridge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Normal put down to cheese, yes. <clears throat> which, which you find very much in Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. I think he must have known a play like Midsummer Night's Dream because, you know, the occasional echoes. How could he not? Surely. Surely. I mean, if there was a poet, he would have been going to the theatre. Yes, exactly, exactly. Yeah. And things like the Apology for Poetry. Mm. These all raise the idea of imagination, as I say, as a kind of truth-knowing, a way of apprehending truths that are not 
directly available to cold reason, cool reason, as he says in the stream. And, you know, this is actually rather important in this canto of the Fairy Queen, because, well, maybe we can defer this till we come to it, but the whole question of what the Barabbas represents and how mm. it represents it and so on, and a sort of degraded imagination... After the fall. After the fall, which functions as a barrier to anything more complex and interesting because you know ultimately the problem with the sort of sex that happens or doesn't happen as we shall see mm-hmm. in the Barabbas is that it's a sort of terminus yeah you know everyone off here it it blocks you from getting to something that's much more complex and rich and fulfilling and spiritual and so on which is to be found for Spencer in and through marriage of course which we get in book three yeah. It's coming. So, in other <laughs> words, there is, he's building a frame. Mm. You know, we're building this goodly frame. And it's not a question of stopping and starting at every book. No. It's, no, it's... It builds on itself. Yeah. And the lessons you've learned carry it carry through. Exactly. You can't read book three without one and two. Exactly. And then book four would make no sense. <laughs> it really wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Now, I mean, again... Going through it in detail is a way of undermining all your sort of assumptions and prejudices about this poem and showing how much more complex it is than, than mm. you know, one suspected on first, first tripping through the woods and sniffing the flowers, you know, admiring the scolopopendras. It's funny because he wouldn't have known dinosaurs or dinosaur names, but it's such a dinosaur name. It is, isn't it? Isn't it? It's funny. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Monosaurus. <laughs> in fact oh no never mind that's, go on that's too much of a rebel I'm just <laughs> thinking that the triceratops is a sort of monoceros isn't it because it's got the one yes. horn yeah, yes. yeah. <laughs> the dreadful fish that hath deserved the name of death like him looks in dreadful hue I tell you what if you'd ever seen any of those the anglerfish from the deep yes yeah. oh god they're so spooky yeah they just... why don't we just leave the depths of the ocean alone <laughs> exactly that'd be nice wouldn't it the grizzly wasserman that makes his game the flying ships with swiftness to pursue the horrible sea satire that does show his fearful face time a greater storm huge Ziphius whom mariners eschew no less than rocks as travellers inform <clears throat> and greedy rosemarines with visages deform you're right it is kind of the unconscious represented as a fearful thing, yeah. something to be feared of. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. right. That's right. Um, and 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 it's a reminder that we are here skating over the surface. Yeah, and and finding a middle way between spooky underneath there and okay yes. up there, and like this is the human brain in the middle. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Exactly. Exactly. And we deal with what we can. Hmm. Yeah. But also reminding us that it's much more complex than we suspect. It's always more complex than we suspect. More dangerous than we suspect. Mm. You don't want to fall overboard, basically. <laughs> All these and thousand, thousand, many more and more deformed monsters, thousandfold with dreadful noise, such hollow rumbling roar, came rushing in the foamy waves enrolled, which seemed to fly for fear them to behold. No wonder if these did the night appall. For all that here on earth we dreadful hold, be but as bugs to fear and babes withal, <laughs> compared to the creatures in the seas in troll. It's a good one. Isn't it, just yeah. a good stanza. <laughs> yes, that's right. And, and, and hellish. Yes. <laughs> the hellish unconsciousness. Oh, exactly, exactly, exactly. Because 
There was, although there used to be a, a kind of comfortable theory that the sea merely reflected the land. So, Funny. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. So anything you found on land, you found a version of in the sea, like a seahorse was meant to be a version of a horse. Mm. Um, but Spencer's saying, oh, no, 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 no. The worst possible imaginable things yes. are down there in the depths. That's right. And they'll get you. That's right, that's right. Yes. Fear not, then said the palmer well advised, for these same monsters are not these indeed, but I am into these fearful shapes disguised by that same wicked witch to work as dread and draw from on this journey to proceed. Though lifting up his virtuous staff on high, he smote the sea which calm it was with the speed, like Moses, of course, mm-hmm. and all that dreadful army fast can fly into great Tithis bosom where they hidden lie. The palmer has a lot of power. <laughs> he does, he does. But if they hidden lie there, then they're not actually illusions. I think the word witch is a bit of a giveaway, isn't it? Bound to these fearful shapes disguised by that same wicked witch to work as dread. Um, summoned, yes, but the thing is, I mean, the, the, the point is they're kind of real. They're down there and we don't know about them. They're kind of hidden from us. Mm. We're not being in the kind of comfortable sense that we've taken the measure of human beings and we know the reaches of the unconscious. We're being told just the contrary. Mm. But the palmer is giving us a more comforting story. We can control them if we yeah. have good governance. Yes, that's yeah. right. Okay, that's right. And a staff. Yeah, and I mean, maybe you can't control them, but you can sort of keep them at bay in a way, sort of to some extent, I suppose. Yeah, fingers in your ears, sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I do think saying, you know, where they hidden lie, it's actually reasserting their reality. It's like the end of Frankenstein, where the the monster's reality out there in the ice is reaffirmed at the end he's not got rid of at least not in Mary's version no yeah mm. <laughs> much more disturbing than right that's that monster wrapped up put him back in a drawer no there job done yes <laughs> <laughs> well that's right uh, where did he say earlier on here we are all that here on earth we dreadful hold be but as bugs to fear and babes mm. with now, what's on Earth is far. Uh, what's in the sea is almost unfathomable yeah, compared to what's on Earth. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Of, uh, and that's the narrator telling us that, as opposed to the palmer who's giving us the comforting story. And the thing about bugs to fear babes, mm. you know, bugaboo, bugabear, are always disposed of at the end of the fairy tale. You know, mm. either, you know, the monster is actually you know, a, a nice man. He just wants to invite you home for fish and chips. Never. Uh, never. <laughs> no, never. Except in fairy tales. Mm. Or the monster is defeated. R- Riding Hood stabs the wolf, doesn't she? A bit rusty in my fairy tales. Same. <laughs> wolf is disposed of. Wolf is or disposed of. The hunter of. comes in or something and chops him up. Oh, right. That's right. The woodsman? Yeah, he does, doesn't he? Yeah. Yes, big butch woodsman comes in with yep. big axe. That's right. Or he's sent away to, you know, rehabilitation. Wolf rehabilitation. Wolf rehabilitation. Shrek 10. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But the point is, in real life, that doesn't happen. So these things, they're not, as as the narrator explicitly says, they're not bugs to fright children with. They're the real McCoy. Mm. I've quoted this before, but it's worth quoting again. There's a lovely line from a Doctor Who... Episode where he 
he says that the scariest place on the planet is a child's bedroom. That's that's Matt Smith's doctor. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. 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 That's true. Because it's it's imagination run wild, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. That's right. And as soon as it gets a hint, it works on that hint. What's under the bed? Mm. What's behind the slightly ajar cupboard door, you know? Mm. Exactly. But I suppose there's a hint here, isn't there? And it gives us a curiously romantic idea that... Imagination is the problem. <laughs> well, well, yeah. But, but also, I mean, it's, it's curiously romantic, but it's also an older folk poetry idea that says that children, and indeed um, the mentally deficient and fools and so on, may have some access to truths that... The rest of us... Yeah, particularly intelligent, educated, logical, Aristotelian brains... Numb ourselves to... Yeah, yeah. Reason our way out of... Yeah. No, there's one behind the door, I locked it, I changed the (laughs) lock. That's right, (laughs) exactly. But nonetheless, you know, it's really there. I think the point, or at least it could be really there. Mm. Potential. They're scared of potential. That's right. Mm. Pope says, some truths, some learned minds, carefully concealed, are but to, but to ch- child, children, but, but, to ma- to, but to maids and children are revealed, or something like that. I bangled the couplet, but we'll you get you the idea. We'll let you get away with So they carry on, quit from that danger, on the course they kept, and as they went they heard a rueful cry of one that wailed and pitifully wept. That through the sea the, res- the ra- resounding planks did fly. At last, they in an island did aspire a seemly maiden, another one, sitting by the shore. <laughs> <laughs> All these women just stopping about. <laughs> I know, they're just designed to distract them. Uh, that with great sorrow and sad agony, seemed some great misfortune to deplore. And it reminds us of the start of the book again. Yeah, that's right. Ruddy Maine's mum. It does, it does, it does, it does, it does. And this is crucial, mm-hmm. because this time his reaction is different. So, in other words, it's reminding us that he's learned. Mm. You know, got his fingers burned once, won't do that again. I mean, it's a slow process, learning, but it is possible. It's not, it's not that depressing idea that, oh, you keep like a dog returning to your vomit, you know. <laughs> as in, yes. As in, as in Proverbs. As, and as in real life, let's face it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and that... Is a third? A third of the way through. Mm. Yeah, interestingly. We're not even off the boat. Not even off the boat. (laughs) (laughs) Which guy on hearing straight is Palmer bad to steer the boat toward that doleful maid. So alright, he's he's interested. I'm not saying he's not interested. It's not that simple. But um, that he might know and ease our sorrow sad. Whom advising better to him said, be not displeased, if disobeyed. For ill it were to hearken to her cry, for she's inly nothing ill obeyed, but only womanish fine forgery, <laughs> or stubborn heart to affect with. So, so the 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 physiology kicks in. Mm. Pretty girl, must go. You know, <laughs> <laughs> points the way. Points the way. <laughs> yep. But the Palmer, who is of course part of him, mm. who is this kind of developed, intelligent, uh, right reason that's mm-hmm. been informed. Steps in and says, "No, no, we've been there before. I'm going back there again." <laughs> no, touchy. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So you can't deny your your physiology, your basic responses. That's just insane. But you can learn to rise above them. Mm. And that's it. Your physiology is a result of the fall. Yeah, 
That's right. So you have to. Or that it's it's strength vis-a-vis your intellect is what I'm for. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But but you but so your intellect your 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 higher reason therefore is is puny and unexercised, but you can exercise it. You can make it train with medicine ball balls and, and so on. You know, <laughs> eventually it's strong enough to. Mm. There, there is an interesting dispositional constitutional question which Spencer doesn't entirely solve here because the truth is that different people are physiologically disposed to different temptations. Mm. Um, and sex, you think, is universal. Well, yeah, it well, is. Yeah. Get me with the cake <laughs> a lot easier. <laughs> well, exactly. exactly. <laughs> Bowl of ice cream, I'm done. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And we've already seen in the cave of Mammon that that sex isn't a prime driver with guy, I and mean, it's it's there, you know. It's, it's lust of the eye. Yes. He likes the pretty things. Acts like the pretty things, and also, how do they work? Curiosity. Mm. You know, I want to take this apart. I want to see if I can put it back together again. You know. <laughs> mm. uh, and that isn't tested in the Bible, particularly. He takes it apart, but he doesn't make any attempt to put it back together again. So. But but the point is, he, at least he hasn't made him kind of totally sexless, as he almost could have done if he... Yeah. So he is showing us somebody who's learning to handle these... these uh, sexuality. Yeah. Yeah, fallen yeah. sexuality. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Exactly. To which, when she or courage hath inclined through foolish pity, then her girlful bait she will employ... Bosom deeper in your mind, and for your ruin at the last await. The night was ruled because, of course, he remembers. Yeah, yeah, that's what happened last time, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I put my hand, you know, in the fire, and it hurt. Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Held in his course with stayed steadfastness, and never shrunk, and never thought to bait his tired arms for toilsome weariness. But with his oars did sweep the watery wilderness. <laughs> so. Now they nigh approach it to the stead, whereas these mermaids dwelt. It was a still and calmy bay. Mm. Mm, yeah, well, ding, 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 ding. <laughs> On one side sheltered with the broad shadow of an hoary hill. On the other side, an high rock toured still. That took them both a pleasant port, they made. Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? That in fact, you know, we've talked a lot about the Locus Aminos, the pleasant place, which is always a danger, place of temptation. And how it's the middle point between these two extremes, and it's a bad one. It's yes. a bad middle point. Yes, you know? exactly, exactly. But of course, the Bower of Bliss is the biggest, flashiest, most neon signed Locus Aminus in the whole poem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And did like half an, and half theatre fulfil. There, these five sisters held continual trade and used to bathe themselves in that deceitful shade. Five sisters because they appealed to the five. Well, no, no, there's three, nine three. bases. Um, yeah, sure. Uh, no, Senses? No. I'm yes. just going to stop here. All right, cool. Yes. Senses, that's right. That's right. They were fair ladies till they fondly strived <laughs> with their Eliconian maids for mastery. The muses, of course, so they tried to outdo the muses. <laughs> raising a whole question about art and the nature of art and its role. And inspiration versus just like, what feels good. <laughs> yes, yes, that's right. That's right. And whom, of whom they overcome and were deprived of their proud beauty and the one moiety transformed to fish. That's half of their bodies transformed to fish. Mm-hmm. For their bold circuitry. But the upper half, their hue retained still. 
their sweet skill in wonted melody, which ever after they abused to ill to lure weak travellers whom gotten they did kill. But in a way, you know, they're clearly monsters, so that's kind of what you expect of a monster, isn't it? So you could take the representation of women from just this canto and have this big thing about yes. the way Spencer hates women. That's and right. Da, da, da. But then you put it into context of the rest of the poem and what he does with it, and this is more just a criticism of men yes. than it is anything about women, yes. which is built on by the rest of the poem. It drives me mad. Yes, I know. I know. It's, about, it's about a male fantasy of women as creatures to be feared, mm. um, desired and feared. Mm. The problem is the man, not the lady. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly so. Exactly so. <laughs> I mean, you can see, it's a bit over, I mean, it's over the top, isn't it? Yeah, it's too much. I um, mean, Spencer knows what he's doing. Why, they, why, why do they want to kill him? Are they going to eat him? There's no suggestion that they do. Mm. They can't spend their money. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you know, a flat earth conspiracy. You know, who benefits? Hmm. The deep state. <laughs> the deep state. That would be it. That would be it. So now to Guyon, as he passed by, the pleasant tunes they sweetly supplied. O oh, thou fair son of gentle fairy that art in mighty arms most magnified, above all knights that ever battle tried, O oh, turn thy rudder hitherward a while. Here may thy storm beat vessel safely ride, since the port of rest from troublous toil. The world's sweet in from pain and wearisome turmoil. Mm. Mind you, everybody? Of anybody? Yeah, well, of anybody, but they were character in the poem. Mammon, despair. Yeah, Mammon, Mammon. Come in here, this is... This is yeah, that's right, yes, this is your... You um, can rest. That's right. And and as well as Mammon, and somebody who looks a bit like Mammon, despair in, in oh, one. yeah, yeah. Because remember, this is... Despair is the shadow of Red Cross, the shadow mm. of the wayfaring knight... Ease after war, port after stormy Storm. seas, ease after death after life. Yes. Um, it's a, it mirrors it. Peace after war, port after stormy seas, ease after Weary. something, death after life doth greatly please. The word missing there, sorry. Yeah. Uh, yeah, port of rest from troublesome toil. Exactly. Echoes. Because, you know, you, you spend all your ride, you're riding about on your horse looking for dragons to slay and maidens to rescue. And it probably gets a bit much, you know, for the most dedicated night after a while. Yeah, you, you want to have a spa day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Whatever the academic equivalent is. Yes. Leave me alone with my books. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, and here it's represented as kind of a euphemism for uh, sex. Well, it is. A cave <laughs> of well, sorts. A cave. Also, yeah. a port where you insert your vessel, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it may safely ride in there. <laughs> <laughs> Ding, ding. <laughs> that's right, that's right. Yes, people have the wrong idea about Spencer. <laughs> He's naughty. He's naughty, yes. Yeah. That's right. Without the rolling sea... So, in other words, they know how to tempt. They've got, they've got, they know which buttons to press. <laughs> and, and with, with, with men, there aren't that many buttons to press, are there? There really <laughs> Just one big button. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Do not press. No, no nuance. <laughs> <laughs> I'm afraid it's true. We talked about the experiments, didn't we, with male turkeys? Probably. Oh, well, well, they want some researchers were trying to find out what was the minimal. Um, A woman 
Well, well, female turkey. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What was the mean? The minimum amount of, if you like, sexual cues that would get a male turkey excited and attempt to copulate. And they a head on a stick. A, yeah, but they went further. The head on a stick could be reduced to a piece of cardboard that was coloured in sort of two or three colours that kind of corresponded to the colours of a turkey's head, and that got them all hot and bothered. <laughs> So, have they done similar experiments on male, a human male? And you would never get, um, you'd never get ethics clearance, would you? Oh, but they should. <laughs> How would you frame it, though? <laughs> For the greater good. <laughs> but in that particular area, men are not subtle creatures. The, the the prick has no sense of irony or comedy or anything. <laughs> The race must continue. <laughs> I, I, I think it's undoubtedly the case that women are more complex in their sexual responsiveness than, than men. And there are evolutionary reasons for this, which we well understand. We do. All <laughs> <laughs> to do with sexual selection and the point. Yeah. The need to be choosy hmm. if you've only got you know, a limited number of over. As opposed That's to hard work. Well, <laughs> curating your own. We get lumped with the work. That's right, exactly. Yeah. Whereas, you know, you, unlimited sperm, you can just chuck them around like confetti. <laughs> and, and they do. <laughs> exactly. As we know. As we um. know. <laughs> with that, the rolling sea resounding soft in his big bass, then fitly answered it. On the rock, the waves breaking aloft, a solemn mean unto the measured. Isn't that nice? A mean. Mm. Uh, the wild sweet Zephyrus low, low, loud whistled at his triple, a strange kind of harmony, which Guyan senses softly tickled. You see, sneaks. <laughs> Big button. That <laughs> 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 he, the boatman, bade row easily and let him hear some part of their rare melody. And of course, we're remembered famously of Odysseus. Yeah, of course. Tied to his master. And already we've got art replacing. Yes. Re- reality. It's the music yes. and, the, and, the, and the harmony that's kind of exactly. bringing him in and pressing his button and tickling his, his, his what's fancy. It. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly right, yeah. yeah. Yes, it's a curiously human thing, isn't it? I mean, there's no other creature that... Uh, well, Except for a turkey. Well, a turkey. But, but the turkey stimulus is, that will work is simpler. Yeah. It's the biological thing reduced to a kind of lowest common denominator. Whereas... With human beings, it's elaborated mm. in, in various ways. So, yeah, there's that basic... We talked about this with the, um, the question of what kind of sin um, lust was and the way it involved the organs, the, the senses. Mm. And it's not just touch. Touch is the least important. It's everything. So the whole menu. It's the it's the smoke show. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that exactly. leads to the final. Yes. Bang! I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <that's laughs> I don't know. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you have to be softly tickled, basically, <laughs> one way or another. But him, the palmer from that vanity, with temperate advice, disconsolate. Bit of a bit of a. Party, Party pooper, pooper? Isn't he? Yeah. yeah. Bit of a bummer, bit of a downer. <laughs> that they had passed and shortly began to describe the land to which their course they livered, when suddenly a great fog over a gross fog overspread. <laughs> oh no, when suddenly a gross fog overspread, sorry. With his dull vapour all that desert has, 
and heaven's cheerful face enveloped, and all things one, and one as nothing was. This great universe seemed one confused mess. So, this is quite interesting, this sudden fog that overcomes. Maybe it could be naturalistically explained, except it's a magic enchanted island, so why would you try? <laughs> but it's, it's a confusion of the senses that is there to... It's a kind of protective device put out by the island, isn't it, in a way? So you can't see what's going on, you can't see it clearly. You're more of a target if you're less aware. Yeah, OK. The whole idea that, you know, sin is blind and... Right. If, if sin could see clearly, it would be like Red Cross seeing the parade of the Seven Deadly Sins. You wouldn't touch him with a barge pole. <clears throat> so and he would know when Duessa turned up. Yes. And popped the titty that exactly. he should not touch. Yeah. Because there'd be flashing neon lights. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So this is a sort of interesting de- defence mechanism that it's putting out. Um... Thereat they greatly were dismayed, and who wist how to direct their way in darkness wide, but feared to wander in that wasteful mist for tumbling into mischief on a spine. Very sensible. Worse is the danger hidden than descried. Suddenly an innumerable flight of harmful fowls about them fluttering great. This is stage two of the self-defence mechanism. <laughs> <laughs> Cried, and with their wicked wings amofted smite and sore annoyed, groping in that grisly night. Even all the nations of unfortunate and fatal birds about them flocked were, such as by nature men abhor and hate. The ill-faced owl, death's dreadful messenger. We talked about owls, mm. didn't we? And senses, yeah, because of their, their hearing through their eyes or something. Yeah. Well, using, no. using the, the, the orbit, the dish of the eyes, as a reflector. To feel or hear. Oh, well, to, yes, to send sound waves to the, the ears. The vole. Yeah. The vole. The vole. Poor old vole. Yeah, um, and of course, the crucial thing about the owl is it's a presager of death. Mm. I heard the owl shriek and the crickets cry. Lady Macbeth. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> the horse night raven, trump of doleful drear. Well, again, night ravens. Ravens of any kind are bad because they, you know, cluster around battlefields to eat the corpses. The carrion, yeah. The carrion. Night ravens are even better. The leather winged bat, day's enemy. The rueful vampire. Yes, <laughs> the rueful stretch, or ostrich, I suppose, and waiting on his hair. Whistler shrill. So these are all. Look, if I saw an owl, a bat, an ostrich, a vampire, <laughs> like I'd also be upset. <laughs> well, <that's laughs> Why are you here? That's right. Yeah, but they're here as messengers. They're, they're, they're saying, "Go away. This is a place of death. Mm. Do not approach." So again, it is very it's a bit science fiction. It's like some sort of. You know, a secret place that has a, a well-developed self-defense system. Atlantis, or something. Yeah, something like that. Yes, yeah, exactly. Is him then, you know, ending up there meant to be Odysseus with the Calypso? No, Circe. Circe, of course. Yeah. Which lady? Yeah, duh, yeah, that's duh. right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, the, so this this is all the whole the whole voyage and the arrival there is from the Odyssey. Mm. And then when we get into the garden, we suddenly shift to Gerusalemme Liberata. Uh, Tasso. Tasso, good. Yeah. yeah. Um, this is where uh, the, the sorceress, they call her... Um, Crazy. <laughs> yeah. No, no, Armida. Well, oh, Armida oh, in, in Tasso. Uh, in Tasso. Hides her lover, Rinaldo, and he's being liberated by this other knight, or two knights who come along. Is it worth a read? 
Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. I'll have a look. I mean, the point is, Spencer is imbued with Tasso and Ariosto. There's a, there's a marvellous... Well, I know, it never stops, does it? <laughs> but there's a marvellous contemporary translation of, of Tasso by, by Fenchel, which is very, very good. Okay. Probably about 1610 or something. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be online somewhere. I'll have a look. Yeah. So, um, oh yes. So these birds are basically they're all they're all coming out saying go away. You know, (laughs) every neon sign possible. Like do not enter danger. Danger. Yeah. Danger. Will Robinson. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> and guy on his stick just that's right exactly <laughs> they're not deterred <laughs> the palmer like no <laughs> all those and all that else doth horror breed about them flew and filled their sails with fear it stayed they not but forward did proceed or the one did row and the other did stiffly steer <laughs> yeah stiffly steer <laughs> and, and I suppose they want they're looking for it they're not it's not that they're not being deterred it's that they know they have to go there because of the whole running man parents thing they have to go avenge the blah 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 and so and this is ultimately overcoming temperance but it's funny that getting there is completely succumbing to temperance and ignoring all of the signs yes well exactly rejecting temperance yeah I mean it's basically even the destroying of the garden is like bad temperance well yes we'll come to that I mean it's quite complex (laughs) but yeah so here it's like the palmer is well, he's not actually saying this, but it's like, if you if you drive into fog, put your foot on the accelerator and go hell for leather <laughs> into the fog. <laughs> well, I suppose, to be fair, they kind of know it's illusory fog. They know it's a bad fog. Well, it's not, it's not a real fog. It's a bad... OK, It's right. produced by a, a fog machine. On the island to defend it from people... From people who want to come and destroy it. And destroy it. it. OK, yeah. so them going through the fog is them so, clamping over the fog. Yeah, it's kind of rational. They're using their brains to think, yeah, it looks like fog, these look like birds, but not really. Even if he is steering with his brick. Yes. It's... Well, he's using it to go straight ahead, you see. It's not like... <laughs> Finding the middle way, yes. so to speak. As long as it's not bent. Or yeah, okay, right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Just follow your nose or something else. <laughs> Whatever is Whatever. in front. Whatever's yeah. in front, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, the one did run the other stiffly steer, and it's the, it's the, it's the uh, of course, it's the palmer stiffly steering. Till then at last the weather began to clear, and the fair land itself did plainly show. Said then the palmer, lo, where doth appear the sacred soil where all our perils grow. Therefore, Sir Knight, your ready arms about you throw. <laughs> Put your armour on. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Sacred is an interesting word, of course, because it can mean cursed. Hmm. Um, it's the same in French, sacre bleu. Oh. Uh, I suppose because a place that's either cursed or sacred is set apart is not to be trespassed upon, is supernaturally defended. Okay. So there's a way in which the two ideas can kind of blur in the mind. They're both taboo places. But it's an odd confusion, isn't it? Hmm. But you can also see it as, you know, since he's used this rather odd word, he could have said cursed. There's also an ironic sense in which it is sacred because it's consecrated to... It is her island. Her island. She's a kind of goddess. This is colonialism. 
Well, yeah, I suppose it turns up with his boat and oh, I see. Fucks he, it up. Yeah, exactly. He does. Yeah. What right true. did he have? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's not terra nullius. It's Mm-mm. terra acrasiae. <laughs> yeah, that that that's exactly right. So she she's kind of the ruler. She's like the like the goddess of the island, um, a minor deity, but nonetheless. So all the revisionist, you know, stories now of Cersei is that you know she was just defending her island, which she was happily living on, and (laughs) these men kept turning up, and you know, who wouldn't turn them into pigs if you could? Exactly. Hmm. Then you you can have the 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 bacon too. Hmm. Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Um, Therefore, so where all our perils grow, you see how how it's raising the stakes here. Like going back to the very beginning, where of course all, all all sin grows out of concupiscence, which comes from the fall. Mm-hmm. So the same idea here, in a way, concupiscence if, is the root of all our ills. If Eden after the fall turned into this, you know, wasteland and whatever, it's almost like this was the the genus yeah. or whatever of Eden. This was Eden. We're going back to it. This is where the fall took place, and this is where it all came from. It grew from. So we're kind of. Yeah, that's right. Facing up to it. That's right. Well, it's a kind of a bad Eden, and then in book three we get a good, good Eden, Eden, which is um, the Garden of Adonis. Adonis. Yeah. yeah. Mm. That's right. Exactly. We do love our gardens. God, well, gardens are Curated such a wildness. Yeah, they're such a rich symbol. Mm. You know, and historically too, of course. And in terms of what gardens mean culturally how they used it's fascinating stuff mm. Mm. yeah and, and the way they maintain that balance between art and nature which is what, is what this is all about and I'm thinking of Pope again yeah exactly, yeah. <clears throat> exactly. he hearkened and his arms about him took the wilds the nimble boat so well has sped that with a crooked keel the land she struck and forth the noble Guyon sallied in his stage, sage palmer that him govern it. It's a military term, sallied. It means like going forth from a besieged castle you know, to okay. attack your besiegers. <laughs> well, in fact, that's um, Arthur does a sally in the well, previous canto. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, but the other by his boat behind did stay. They marched fairly forth of naught indeed. So the boatman is um, staying by the boat. Of naughty dread, both firmly armed for every hard assay, with constancy and care against danger and dismay. So, again, we're getting a heroic build-up for this. You know, it looks like wrecking a children's playground in one point of view. Yeah. <laughs> not a not a not a difficult assignment, but it's been given its heroic build-up. Yeah. Because. Of course, it's, it's not quite that. Way along they heard an hideous bellowing of many beasts that roared outrageously, as if at hunger's point or Venus sting had them enraged with fell circuitry. Circuitry is a wonderful word. It means, it means arrogance, but kind of going beyond arrogance, you know, going way above your station, filled with a kind of mad pride. So there's something slightly insane about it, I think. And of course, Enraged, Hunger's point or Venus sting, of course, is the point. Yet not they feared, but passed on hardly until they came into view of those wild beasts, all at once gaping full greedily and rearing fiercely their upstarting crests, ran towards to devour those unexpected guests. And these, of course, are all the chaps that she's 
with her. She whacks them with her wand, and they turn into. No, <laughs> oink. Sorry. Oink. 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 I went quack. I don't know. Well, look. Freudian quack. slip of some sort, I suppose. Animal. Yes, duck. I mean. Yeah. I, I don't know. <laughs> duck, duck, pig. Duck, duck, pig. <laughs> yeah. But whatever, animals. Soon they approach with deadly threat, the power over them, his staff upheld, his mighty staff, again like Moses, that could all charms defeat. Eftsoons their stubborn courages were quelled, and high advanced crests down meekly felled, instead of fraying, they themselves did fear, and trembled. So passing they beheld, such wondrous power did in that staff appear, or monsters to subdue to him that did it bear. Okay, good, fine, but He's doing all the work, isn't he? I mean, really. Guyon just following he's along with just, his sword. He's just here for the ride, really. Good job. <laughs> yes, exactly. We didn't ask. No. We didn't. <laughs> he's just saying, carry on, Palmer. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose if the Palmer is an extension of him, maybe. I suppose. He's right yes, reason. Yeah, good point. Pushing on ahead. But good, good, yes. point, good point, good point. In terms of the narrative. Yeah. But it's interesting, isn't it, that also they look scary, these monsters, but reason can sort them out. Yeah, just... Just, you know... Get your staff out. Wave exactly. it around. Yeah, just... Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> that's right, that's right. Sorry, there was a point there. Um, <laughs> sure was. There was, yes. <laughs> that's, that's right. I suppose what I, was, what I was thinking is that, you know, the... The reader is thinking, oh, this is easy peasy, you know. These are these phantom monsters, aren't real monsters, easily got rid of, no problem. But we haven't yet come to the sticky part, if I could put it like that. That's perhaps not the best way oh, of putting yeah, it. Oh, yeah, easy monsters. Easy monsters. Quell. But it's, but it's, you know, the two girls in the fountain were a bit harder yeah, to deal with. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. We can, if a monster is, hello, I am a monster, you know, yes. that's a monster, no touch it. Exactly. If someone is like, I'm not a monster, then exactly. it's easier to, yeah. Exactly. Yep. These are sort of Kermit the Frog monsters. Yeah. Kermit the Frog, you know? Yeah, I know Kermit. Yes. Well, I'm thinking of, though, people used to think that the monsters from, you know, the Muppet Show might be scary to children, but of course they're not scary to children, because children aren't idiots and they can see that they're not. Yeah. 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 But it's going to get more difficult, essentially. Of that same wooded frame was cunningly, of which Caduceus Willon was made. So this is Caduceus' staff, of course. So we're talking about about uh, the Palmer's wand. It's interesting, isn't it? He's got a wand and she's got a wand. One's a good wand and one's an evil wand. Yes. Good magic and evil magic. Exactly. And I guess that's Catholicism and... Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, famously the way in which... Particularly within Catholicism, evil always parodies the good. Mm. And the black mass is a kind of mass, and it's inverted, and you've got inverted trinity, and, and all that kind um, of stuff. Y- y- you had Juessa previously, and yeah. Yeah, and that's right. Good, yeah. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And th- the important thing is that you discern vigilantly... You do. ...the good one. Yes. The good stick. Go for the good stick and not the bad stick. <laughs> that's right. And Caduceus, of course, is the belongs to Mercury as a healer. Yeah. The god of wisdom and reason, which is so important. Um, mm. He's also a psychopomp. You know, it's, like, it's a good word, psychopomp. A psychopomp is a spirit that leads your soul from this world of flesh 
into the world of spirit. He guides you. Okay. So, in a sense, Virgil is Dante's psychopomp. In cool. Yes, it's, it's a great word. <clears throat> How many psychopomps are there? Who knows? Right, okay. Interesting. So, That's death, when it's kind of represented as this well, yes. anthropomorphic thing that comes Skeletal and gets you. thing, yes. He's yeah. kind of psychopomp. psychopomp. Yeah, that's yeah. right. But, uh, because different, you know, non-Western traditions have lots and lots of psychopomps. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. A guide. A guide. A spirit guide. Spirit guide. Yeah. Okay. So you would be my psychopomp well. supervisor. <laughs> 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 Leading through the cavernous depths of... <laughs> yes. That's uh, right. Through ghastly horror and eternal shade. Well, that's, that's you know, doing a PhD, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, the infernal fiends but he can assuage I can assuage the infernal fiends <laughs> in their With various only. forms yeah. yes. and orcas tame whom nothing can persuade <clears throat> and rule the furies when they most do rage such virtue in his staff I think this palmer's <clears throat> safe then he may well be thinking of course some echo here of Virgil and Dante Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's people haven't written much about Spencer's relation to Dante, but I, surely not that I've noticed or seen. Wow. Yeah. Well, again, people don't. They, somehow Dante isn't on the radar for a lot of critics of English literature. I don't know why. I suppose I'm very lucky to have had you read it. Well. In the original <laughs> Italian, translated into English in the real time, and then explain <laughs> the significance. Yeah, okay. Uh, I suppose not everyone has that. <laughs> Thence passing forth, they shortly do arrive, whereas the bower of bliss at last was situated. <laughs> Stanza 42. Halfway ish? Oh, rather more than halfway. Yeah. Oh, no. No, we're almost there. Okay. 44 is halfway. Okay. But if you remember. Milton and Spencer are quite different in their... Um, ah, uh, yes. Spencer's orbits. kind of ish yeah. halfway. It'll do. Milton's like down to the line. Exactly. <laughs> mm. <Halfway> <laughs> the <through> beat. That. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, you know, Spencer, he's sort of dealing in this world, things... It'll do, kind of do good enough for government work, basically. <laughs> the world is imperfect and we can't expect perfection. Yeah. That's what he's saying to himself. So, yeah, so we're halfway through. Um, give or take... Two stanzas. Yeah. A place picked out by choice of best alive that nature's work by art can imitate. Now, that's an interesting line. That's complete praise, of course. The Bower of Bliss. Bliss. You know, sounds good to me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing in the name that is going to warn you about it. A place picked out by choice of best alive. And maybe... Maybe, you know, the very best of some of them dead, or I don't know. But, again, it's not, it's not problematic at this stage that nature's work by art can imitate. Well, that's good in the general sense, because it's the function of art to... Well, Undo the ruins of our first yeah, parents. Yeah, yeah. So art must imitate not the nature we see around us, which is But depraved. what we want, the ideal. What, what, what was. Though. What was. <laughs> Technically. <laughs> That's how we undo it. We get back to the Garden of Eden by art. So art makes scruffy, messy nature, you know, with weeds and tears. It organises and... And, 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 and it creates, it creates um, agriculture, which turns this bit of wasteland 
into a lovely field of corn where you can make bread. <coughs> um, so that is as getting our nature back to its origins in the Garden of Eden as you can, because the, the nature of nature, Garden of Eden, is to be fruitful, is to serve humanity. humanity at the centre. We've of the lost world. that, haven't we? Completely lost that <laughs> in society. We have, we have Art is seen as wasteful, pointless. Well, yeah. We, nobody gives a damn anymore, particularly here. That, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Picasso, schmasso. <laughs> well, look, art encompasses an awful lot more than high art, you know, sense, although it does encompass that too. And it, it encompasses all, all the, you know, anything that changes yeah. nature. So, so that it can be fruitful. So farming. Well, well, anything that changes nature, but the best art makes that then fruitful. Okay. And that can be that can be you know, fruitful in this real world. So farming, agriculture, or fruitful for the soul, which is yeah. like or the at mind a or the jelly. intellect. So yeah, or education is an art, which tills the soul. You know, turns it towards back towards. Hmm. Whereas now it's a education is a means for employment. Yeah. That's rather right. than fulfillment. Yes, exactly. So it's it's yes, it's very much not our current idea of what education's all about. You, know, you only have to look at it. Education Here's vessel, still vessel, vessel, good. Exactly. Deployed. Yes, <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, so, therefore, there are two kinds of art, I suppose, and this is quite important in this context because then you've got the kind of art that is virtuously doing its job, which is correcting the ruins of our first parents Mm -hmm. that's all excellent and good but then there's a kind of art which merely exacerbates the natural toward a more intense version of itself insofar as it's dealing with fallen desires, fallen lusts and so on so it exacerbates fallenness yeah yeah I, I, it's a bit like you know the stripped down turkey head. Yeah, yes, it's, it's complicit in fault. It's complicit. It, yes. it revels in it. <laughs> it revels in it. Exactly. Yeah, <clears throat> exactly. You know, and you, and you look at look at Renaissance painting, lovely stuff. You know, absolutely lovely stuff. But a lot of it is soft porn. It is. It, 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 it's paid for by patrons. Yeah, and they quite fancy you know a bit of soft porn, but disguised as. Um, uh, what's her name, Mary Maudlin, for example. So it's not about the difference between high art and low art, it's about the morality of the art, or the moral purpose. From his point of view, yeah. Yeah. That's right. Though I think he would see his kind of art as very much a higher art. That is oh, absolutely. On, yes. But he's sort of saying, you know, art, it can be tilling the fields, you know, developing agriculture, like that is art on the land. Or developing the human soul. Even though that's kind of low art or whatever, or, you know, or poetry yeah. for the sake of poetry, even if you're just trying to do poetry, that's good, as is his poetry. It's when you're writing bawdy ballads for... Yes, exactly. Yeah, or indeed, look at the poem that's coming up here, which is basically a carpe diem poem. It's saying... You know, let's do it now. We've we've both got our teeth. Basically. Um, bees do it, even all yes, the fleas, whatever right. it goes. <laughs> that's right. Birds do it. Bees do it. Yes, even yes, something bees do it. Fleas do it. Let's do it. Let's fall in love. Yeah. <laughs> let's fall in love is euphemism. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's exactly right. Um, so yes, he's he's very conscious that his is art. Because he says, you know, it, and its role, because all art has a role, and its role will be ultimately moral, is to fashion a, 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 a gentle person in virtuous and gentle discipline. 
it's to teach you to be a better human being. But you have to read the whole thing, including book six. <laughs> <laughs> so, again, it's the useful and the pleasant. Well, the, useful, you see, the, the whole idea here is that the, the pleasure of poetry is not an end, it's a means. Because yeah. the pleasure sucks you in mm. to Make reading the whole thing. And, and, and then you read the poem and you meditate upon it and you are morally improved by it. Yeah. You become a better And that's chooser. how it is. That's a pedagogical device, which yes. we have completely um, taken out of our education system. <laughs> Essentially. Yeah. Yeah. We mm. kind of resent the idea that art can teach us stuff, don't we? Yeah, particularly in Australia. Particularly in Australia. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So art, art is there. Yes, if you think of most of, you know, the cinema or some television, most of it, I say, it's there simply to pander. Oh no, I'm a yeah no. As someone who uh, works, <laughs> it, it's, a, it's pandering. <laughs> pandering away, but you see, pandering's profitable. <clears throat> um, you know, make us money. <laughs> Whereas Milton made five quid out of Paradise Lost. Ten. Ten. I'm sorry. Ten. Ten. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I quibble. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, the first printing. Five out of each, first and second printing. Right, okay. But yeah, that, that, that's, that's right. So art, art's, art's a complex subject here because, well, basically, I suppose the way Spencer would see it is that art has a proper use, mm. but it also has an abuse. You can put the good thing to unvirtuous uses. And we're back to temperance. Sex can be good and bad. Yeah. Love can be good and bad. Food. Food, food, necessary good, but also, you know... Yeah, relationship with self, relationship with others, relationship with God. Yeah. Temperance needed, vigilance needed in all, and yeah. then art becomes this big metaphor. But that encompasses it all, mm. yes. Because in a sense, unless you're living in a cave and banging rocks together, everything... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Everything is art. Yeah. Well, even banging rocks together is art, isn't it? <laughs> it's a form of <laughs> well, drums. It, um. well, no, no. well, also, also it's, going to, it's art in the sense of... You're making Creation. a tool yeah, to yeah. scrape the hide off a buffalo or something. Yeah, like, yeah. I don't know, whatever. I don't, yeah. yeah. So yeah. So art. We have a we. For us, art has been squeezed into this tiny corner, where most most of think of art as a kind of loopy concern of people who, you know. And and even that has been. It's. <laughs> what's the word I'm looking for? It's not like, not egalitarian anymore. It's like, do you have four million? quid to buy a Banksy painting yes or it's, that's right. it, or it's a means of protest now let's throw soup on Van Gogh he probably would have liked that yes. <laughs> <laughs> or glue ourselves to a Picasso which is what going on recently yeah well that's that's right well the, the soup on the Van Gogh was the response to the Picasso if you missed it oh missed that. yeah that was over the weekend oh, someone right. threw soup on the sunflowers oh really yeah okay I missed that yeah <laughs> was it climate good? protesters okay. yeah. yeah was it good soup was yellowy. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know. Are you referring to the good soup meme? No, I no. don't know. <laughs> good soup. Um. But yes, they, 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 people think it's kind of just a kind of nutty obsession of a small number of weirdos. Like, you know, somebody, somebody manages to raise the money to wrap, wrap a, a, you know, a huge bridge, the Sydney Arbor Bridge in Cellophane or something, and that's making a point. And it's unbelievable how peripheral it is. Even poetry. Poetry was so much more central to life. Everyone and, knew it. Yes. They all, they all learned it. They knew it. They delighted in it. 
every... now it's seen as this elitist, yeah. exclusionary, gatekeeping community, and it's yeah, like, no, no, right. we would quite like to welcome you in. That's right. <laughs> um, but That's you don't right. care and you make fun of us, so we get more and more defensive, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. or at least that's... But, you know, the butchest, the butchest soldier and knight wrote poetry in Elizabethan period. Mm. Sydney and Raleigh, they wrote poems. Can't imagine James Bond knocking off her sonnet, can you? <laughs> I can. That's good. So, art, then, we have to reacclimatise ourselves as to the notion of art and to see it as basically something that encompasses everything. A little bit, as we shall find out later, and not to <laughs> jump the gun too far, the notion of courtesy ultimately includes all human behaviour to other human beings. It's a kind of catch-all for... Well, as we have said, not being a dick. <laughs> don't be a dick. <laughs> don't be a dick. Yes. Yeah. We can boil the poem down. Then you don't have to read it. <laughs> it's the schmoop. <laughs> All the spark notes. Well, that's right. That's the thing, you see, because as we've shown, I hope, the value of something like this is, is moving through it, mm. going through the wood. Praises, ball down little things. They just don't work. They have no value. And all they do is force people to... Well, they make people force it into little compartments like anti-feminist or, you know, <laughs> imperialist. Or Well, of course, Chris. Chris's first thought was about the Irish. Yeah, OK, the Irish get a bit of a raw deal, but, you know, that, you can't... <laughs> yes. <boot> the <laughs> because of that, yeah. Because of that. Yeah, I know. Work culture. Yeah, Ironically discriminatory. <laughs> yes, that's right. That's exactly right. But what it discriminates against is complexity and and you know. yeah, um, again I keep coming back to this book which you would love. Dinner with Joseph Johnson, Daisy Hay. And she's talking about, you know, before everything kind of went to shit. <laughs> They're all having dinner together. You've got Burke at the same table oh. as, uh, or, or Sarah Trimmer and Mary Wollstonecraft eating dinner together and then, you know, the the culture war kicks off and they won't even look at each other and it's like they all got along Tom Paine was there with Burke yeah like the- well <laughs> Dr Johnson and um, oh god what's his name it's gone from my head the famous radical MP who was booted out and voted out by parliament and, and then voted back in by the people who um, he, he he was great on the hustings it'll come to me in a second I mean he point he, Johnson was basically a conservative, but they had they had dinner together. They had a great time they together. All, they communicated. There was yeah. room for um, rational discussion amongst people who disagreed. That was okay. Now it's like if you, yeah, you know, oh, absolutely, you, you can't have well, that. Debate. Yes, if you don't agree with me, you're the devil's spawn. And I suppose that's something that's been repeated over and over again throughout history. You get culture war, period of lull, culture war, period of yeah, and we're just experiencing it again. What's his name? Oh, Wild? Is his name Wild? Swift? No, 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 no. Oh, it'll, it'll come to me. Again, we can re-edit it back in later on. I'll let you know. When I, but he's, he, a couple of, he, he was great on the hustings when he was being heckled. The hustings is where you're, you're announcing your platform for the election. Oh, OK. And then people come up and say, I vote for so-and-so, I vote for such and such. So, um, only men. <laughs> only men. I mean, one man said, sir, I would sooner vote for the devil. And he, he replied, well, sir, 
If your friend declines to stand, may I count on your vote? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. And another famous one was when um, somebody said to him, Sir, you will will die by the pox or on the gallows. And he said, Well, sir, that depends on whether I embrace your mistress or your principles. <laughs> I can't imagine. Oh, Albanese might. Maybe. Our recent departure couldn't. No. Uh, maybe um, Paul Keating. He's good. Jack Lang. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, we have veered a little we from have. the. Anyway. Out. But, but I think it's an important point to make that art is a much more complex and much more important term than nowadays we think of it as. Yeah. Nowadays it's seen as a kind of dispensable luxury. You know, you you go into a large bookshop and try to find the poetry section and you'll be bloody lucky if there is one. And if there is, it's pretty small and token. It's so sad to see, like, Paradise Lost next to... Mm. Oh, yes. Twilight. Yes, I know. (laughs) I know. So, art, important. Mm. Um, so the idea of imitating nature's work by art is a very interesting one because it looks innocuous but that imitation can either be kind of like the best you can do as an artist because you're imitating unfallen nature what man should be, was, can be again or you are merely pandering to baser instincts and lusts and you're drawing, you know Drawing naked ladies with, well, not much, I suppose. <laughs> naked ladies. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And exactly. their hair. <laughs> That's right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Uh, or whatever happens yeah. to turn your fancy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is that a good, is that a natural place to stop? Oh, to stop. It maybe is. Because, we're, uh, yeah, because we're introducing, we're entering the bar. Yeah. And we're introducing that whole notion of nature and art. Mm hmm. Uh, that was coherent, wasn't it? I think. I think it was. I think there, there was some babble in there, but that could be cut out. Yeah. Remove babble. Uh, yeah. Back to next one. We're on the threshold of revelation. So oh, that's right. We're actually halfway through chapter forty-two. Art can imitate. Yes, exactly. That's right. In which whatever in this worldly state is sweet and pleasing unto living sense, or that made daintier fancy aggregate, was poured forth with plentiful dispense. And made there to abound with lavish affluence. So it's interesting, isn't it? Because we begin with a perfectly innocent notion of whatever in this worldly state is sweet, mm-hmm. pleasing unto sense. Well, God made it all, you know, it's all fine and dandy. Or you observe moderation and all that. But then, or, may, or that made daintiest fantasy a great. So we please. project on to it. Yeah, exactly. And that's one of the dominant themes of, of this scene that. Um, you know, you, uh, there are ordinary wants. You want your breakfast. We all want our breakfast. We do. <laughs> but then there are the, the strange fantasies, the, the desires that drive us, and they tend to be fantastic in the sense that they are our own creation, mm. projected onto things, and they always lead us astray. So, you know, that's what Macbeth is all about. Right. But what Macbeth wants is something he can never have. He wants to be this kind of fantasy king. And it's not just not going to be. So you want. And it, you want 
a, a breakfast in the shape of the Eiffel Tower. <laughs> Something like that. Know, right? yeah. well, well, yes, that's right. Um, that's right, yes, with uh, pâté de foie gras mm. and the sound of violins. Mm. You know, something like that. Yes. <laughs> Paris in the spring. Yes. Uh, what we desire is kind of impossible that we move toward it. And in a way, that's, rather, that's good. That can be good spiritually, of course, because you... You, you want you know to get close to the garden and so on and the divine vision and, and those things are difficult to attain but also can work in the other way where it's simply gratifying your, your baser mm. your baser instincts and desires and so on and taking you away from God taking you away from God leading you astray yeah that's right but leading you into delusion too so this is the point and we're back to sin being disorderly desire yes yeah. yes yeah. and this is a kind of crazy way of it being disorderly it's not just disorderly it's kind of all over the shop you yeah know. It's, it's out to tea <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> and it's not properly dressed it's not yeah. properly dressed no, that's right that's right it's zooming in its underpants <laughs> <laughs> Goodly it was enclosed round about, as well there entered guests to keep within. And isn't that interesting, to keep the guests within? You, Why would you want to be kept within if it's such a wonderful place? Mm, as well, it's like a casino. Yeah, well, they use all right. those tricks. Yes. To, yeah. You know, it's a labyrinth, they don't show daylight, no clocks. Yes, exactly. Bars everywhere. That's exactly right, yes. Yeah. I'm not giving you time to think, hello, what am I doing here? Mm. What am I doing with my life? Yes. Um, yeah, that's exactly right. The, the, the Happy Valley in, in Johnson's Rasslass, which is a marvellous little philosophical novel, mm-hmm. is rather similar because, you know, it gratifies all desires, but it, uh, or, or immediate desires, I suppose, but it, it gives you no sense of meaning or purpose or something. Fulfilment. Spiritual fulfilment, yeah. That's right. So you go in there and it's like a prison. It's like a delightful prison, but it's still a prison. And he says those on... Uh, we, you know, we, we can't find out what people found in there because those on whom the gates were closed were suffered never to return mm. so it's like hell in a way mm. like one a, way street baby yeah, yeah that's right <laughs> yet was the fence thereof but weak and thin <laughs> not feared therefore sat forty large to win but wisdom's power and temperature temper, temperance as might sorry so there's a fence there's that a people fence. think is keeping them in, but it's weak and thin. Yes, so it's that's more that right. they're not pushing to get it's out. It's an imaginary fence, yes. <sighs> yeah, exactly. higher leap door bound. The fence is kind of pointless, but it's there. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. That's right. But wisdom's power and temperance is might. That's what they fear. They don't fear wild beasts, by which the mightiest things in the fourth had been. And eke the gate was wrought of substance light, rather for pleasure than for battle or fight. <laughs> Yet frame it was of precious ivory. This is the central stanza of the canto, the longest canto, as we said Framed, before. Framed, precious. Framed, yes, that's artful, right. yeah. Now begins this frame of temperance to rise. Yes, it? yes. Mm. Yes, that's right. Seemed a work of admirable wit. And there in all the famous history of Jason and Medea was he writ. Now this is leading to, to the gate in Tasso. So there's some there's some detailed illusion there, which only makes sense if you've read the Tasso. But, but there is kind of innocent loves and joys, and Jason and Medea isn't really innocent. No. No. Mm, that <laughs> one I know. Yes, that's right. Yeah. So there's some big-time matricide there. And also his, his betrayal and uh, her jealousy, and basically, you know, it doesn't end well. Her mighty charms... Of course, she was seen as a witch. Mm. Her mighty mm. charms... 
her furious loving fit, his goodly conquest of the golden fleece. Her furious loving fit, you know, this desire driving you crazy. And another representation of kind of um, uh, female power that men are afraid of. Yes. Medea is so villainized. The witchy, yes. And really she... Well, she's she's reasonably pissed off. Yeah. (laughs) It was a temp... Well, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, I'm killing killing your children isn't isn't the best. Probably a bit far, but... Yes, it's going a bit far. Going a bit far. But she was annoyed. She sure was. (laughs) (laughs) She was nobody's doormat. (laughs) Um, his falsed faith and love too lightly fled, the wandered Argo which in venturous peace first through the Euxine Sea bore all the flower of Greece. And again, that seemed a work, admirable wit. Yes. Created, curated. That's right, that's right. But it, it's a human, it's human wit behind it. Mm. You might have seen the frothy billows fry under the ship as through them she went, had seemed the waves were into ivory or the ivory into the waves were sent another where the snowy substance sprent with vermeil like the boy's blood there in the shed a piteous spectacle did represent and other wilds with gold is sprinkled it seemed the enchanted flame which did Creusa wed so it's an admirable work of art in, in these rather crude terms that say it deceives the eye you know, there was a sort of this was a, a topos you find going right back to the ancient Greeks. The idea that somebody can produce a work of art that so closely imitates nature that, you know, the bees are deceived, for example. That's an example, though, isn't it? it, it would, bees yeah. are deceived? Who, who deceives bees? Well, uh, there's an example in... Um, actually, it, 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 it's, it's more like grapes deceiving um, birds, I think. Oh, okay. but, but bees are deceived in... Hero and Leander, which is right. which is Marlowe's classic Epilion, you know the erotic Epilion. Mm. Mm. It's a sexy poem. It is. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. That's right. And she wears she wears is it is it a veil? And the, the, you know the the the, the grapes on it are so perfectly portrayed that they deceive the bees and they want to land on her. Ah. Okay. Suck her grapes. Mm. So, but which which is fine. That's goodness, Dandy, to do that. To suck grapes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, uh, to, to imitate yes. <laughs> perfectly. Perfectly. Yeah. But it, it's, at it's a, a point, p- it becomes an act of God. You're trying yes. to imitate God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're sort of exactly. You're you're pushing at the limits here. You're. It's a bit cheap. Frankensteining. Yeah. A little too close to the sun. Exactly. <laughs> Peeking under the skirts of Mother Nature. Yeah. Kind of yeah. 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 So, although, again, it's in terms of praise, it's, it's, it makes the reader perhaps slightly uneasy. Particularly, of course, when what is being imitated here is not the best of humanity, but, well, murdering children, you know. Not good. <laughs> <laughs> All this and more might in that goodly gate be read that ever open stood to all which thither came. Ever open should be the... There's your neon light. Yes. That's the gates to hell, folks. That's right. Stood to all. That's right. And if we think of other houses, uh, of course, the gates to the House of Pride are open to everybody. Yeah. Whereas the gates to the House of Holiness... House of Elmar, hard to get in. Hard to get in, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. tricky to get an invite. That's right, that's right. And you have to get past the bouncers. Yeah. (laughs) You have to be wearing the right shoes. 
uh, which never came. But in the porch there sat a comely personage of stature tall and semblance pleasing, more than natural. The travellers to him seemed to entice his looser garment to the ground in fall. Looser, that comparative means too loose. Too loose. Yes, he's not buttoned up, you know, and flew about his heels in wanton wise, not fit for speedy pace or manly exercise. You know. It's for show, not for... Yes, and also it's slightly effeminate, you know. Uh, and we might compare to Belle Phoebe, who oh, yes. know, is, is nicely kitted out, but practical. Practical. She's wearing, that's right, she's wearing boots for hunting. She can flee through the forest. And her canvas makes means that she can run fast. Exactly. <laughs> it's exactly. pretty, but she can run fast. Yes, yeah, yes, yeah. absolutely. The dulce and the utile combined. They in that place him genius, did call. A genius is a kind of spirit of place essentially. Um, the word hadn't yet acquired its modern meaning. Not that, not that celestial power to whom the care of life and generation of all that lives pertains in charge particular, who wondrous things concerning our welfare and strange phantoms. Certainly haunted by the idea it wasn't. Yep. <laughs> that let us oft foresee and oft of, of secret ills bids us beware. That is ourself, whom though we do not see, yet each in him, each doth in himself well perceived to be. Oh, yes, interesting. Oh, I won't go off on that tangent. So this is our guardian spirit. Like Ariel? Uh, yeah, not no. Because Ariel, Ariel belongs to an order of spirits that basically have nothing to do with humans. Okay. They're outside the it's order. Busy. Of, <laughs> yes, they're outside the order of creation. Whereas the guardian spirit is, in a sense, part of your creation, part of you. Okay. All right. Um, As in. Wherever the clock lock. Oh uh, yeah, that's right. What's the name? The Sylphs. Yeah. Yes. And there's one in particular who looks after her. Ariel. Thank. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, sorry, you meant Ariel. Pope <sighs> Ariel. Yeah. I, yeah. Oh, I'm it, sorry. sorry, but it makes sense that I would be thinking of the Tempest. Yes. You're right. Yeah. You're sorry. Duh. <laughs> um. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Fine. That's good. Uh, and of course, this you know, forces is good and bad angel. The good angel is to some extent his guardian spirit. Mm. Bad angels trying to muscle in. Once a piece of the action. <laughs> Therefore, a god him sage antiquity did wisely make, and good Agdistes call. But this same was to that quite contrary, the foe of life that good invites to all. So, in fact, this is the evil angel masquerading as the good angel. Mm. That secretly doth us procure to fall through guileful semblance which he makes us see. So, in other words, again, uh, desire. He, he he puts these imaginary desires in front of us that lead us astray, like will of the wisps. Mm-hmm. Desire for illusion. He of this garden had the governor, and pleasure's porter was devised to be, holding a staff in hand for more formality. With diverse flowers he daintily was decked, and strode round about, and by his side a mighty mazer bowl of wine was set. So huge. Not just a little wine glass, but a great big bowl of wine, like those ancient Greek. You've seen those? They're, they're, big they're, bowls. <laughs> a big bowl full of uh, wine, yes. Yeah, okay. A pitcher? <laughs> uh, well, not quite a pitcher. No. Because uh, it's more open and flat. Bowly. And you, a... you hand it round and you go. Yeah. Oh. Oh, yeah. And a bacchanal? Yeah. Ah. Yeah, yeah. just okay. the thing you wanted a bacchanal. Okay. Exactly. As if it had to him been sacrificed. Wherewith all new-come guests he gratified, so did he eke Sir Guyon passing by. But he his idle courtesy defied, and overthrew his bowl disdainfully. 
and broke his staff with which he charmed semblant sly. Now, coming back through this poem, we notice a certain clear, a danger sign, or sort of absence of courtesy. Uh-huh. Somebody offers you a maize or a wine, you don't have to smash it to the ground. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> you say, oh, no thanks, I'm not, it's little early for me. Yeah. <laughs> it's if disdainful. You, that's uh, that's um, in, yeah. incorrect courtesy. Sorry, I just oh, need to check yeah, the parking but, or I'll go mad. Just like, keep going. <laughs> well, because also it's pride, you know. He thinks he's better than every, yes. everyone. That he's like, I don't need your wine. That's right, Bitch. that's right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Which makes a good sort of Puritan, if that's what you're looking for. But whether it's an entirely admirable human quality is another question. Mm. Um, and he breaks his staff, too. I mean, fair dues. <laughs> Thus being entered, they behold around a large and spacious plain, in every side strode with pleasance, whose fair grassy ground, mantled with green and goodly beautified, with all the ornaments of floor of pride. <laughs> It's not real. No, it's, it's not ornaments. real. It's ornaments. It's strode. It's, it's astroturf. Mantled, goodly ornaments. Yeah. Yes. Mm, exactly. It is astroturf. I mean, it looks nice. And that's it. You're, you've got to discern. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And the, even the poetry is misleading. Mm. Poetry's pretty. Yes. Oh yes. Yes. The poetry's doing the job of the garden. Yeah. Artful. Has to. Yes. He's sort of like, what Seductive. is the moral purpose here of? Yes. Artful poetry. Exactly, exactly, exactly. With all the ornaments of Flora's pride, were with her mother Art, as half in scorn of niggard nature, like a pompous bride did decker, and too lavishly adorn, when forth from virgin bower she comes in the early morning. So it's a bit OTD, mm. basically. It could be a bit much. Yeah, and, and slightly crass. Yeah. Mm. Just. Uh, Lacks taste. Yes. <laughs> it's too much. Well, that's right. The, yes. The, it's a Trumpian entryway. Yes, the pompous bride. There, too, the heavens always jovial looked on them lovely, still in steadfast state. Nor suffered storm nor frost on them to fall, their tender buds or leaves to violate. It's a climate controlled um, <laughs> <laughs> temperate it environment. Is. Nor scorching heat nor cold intemperate to flip the creatures which therein did dwell. But the mild air with season moderate, gently attempered and disposed so well that it breathes forth sweet spirit and wholesome smell. Which is, yeah, that's okay. Obviously, we're meant to be reminded of the idea of Eden. And the smell of paradise, Uh, the ambrosial. Yeah, that's right. And and the lack of extremes and so on. But there's a big difference here because... You know, this is this is an artificial environment. It's mm-hmm. it's, a, it's an airport lounge. It's you not can't artificially nature. recreate the Garden of Eden. Well, you can't. No, you can't. That's right. Because it's a moral thing. It's not. A, it's more than a place. Like the place was established by the moral order and the yes. structure of the universe. That exactly. has fundamentally changed. So you can only ever imitate. Yes, that's right. And it's, and it's a sham imitation mm. because it lacks something crucial. It's instead of being you know if you think of Eden, it's spring. Always. And autumn. And autumn, well, though. Yeah. Always. And that's the important point. There's a tension between them. Right. Spring is, you know, flowers coming into flower. Mm. <laughs> and autumn is fruit bursting out and, you know, squishing upon you. Um, <laughs> well, I'm thinking of abundance, you know. Um, yeah, now I'm thinking of autumn. Um, oh, there we are, yes, exactly. Yeah. The moss cottage trees. Yeah. Yes. 
to fill all the fruit with a ripeness to the core. Mm. Yeah, exactly. The bees, that's where I was thinking of no, the, fucking the bees. bees. Sorry. That's right. <laughs> I was like, there's bees, where are the bees from? That's right. That's right. Till they think warm days will never cease. That's it. For summer has all brimmed their clammy cells. Now that's not bland, you see. That's about a certain degree of excess and also a sort of tussle. Mm. Um, the Garden of Eden is actually an example of Discordia Concourse. Ah. Mm. Um, what, or Concordia what, what looks like disorder up close... Zoomed out is yeah ordered yeah in other words so what looks yes what looks like things fighting each other on the much bigger picture is producing a kind of dynamic harmony mm-hmm. out of disorder order yes exactly 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 so you need this um, yes the, the more normal way of putting it would be would be uh, Concordia discourse but you could say Concordia out of dis-, uh, dis well Discordia uh, Concordia means Harmonious, and discourse means disharmony. Okay. So it's a paradox. Right. But the point is, this is a play of energy within a kind of closed system. It's lively. It's happening. It's real. It's you know. And it's productive. It's productive. Exactly. All these. It's things. like. And. An academic conference. It's it's madness. Yes. But you zoom out, and there's good stuff happening. Yes, exactly. Yeah? And it's also like. Kind of fruitful human sexuality. Mm. It's you know, it's there's tussles and. Peter is gesticulating. I'm, I'm not sure I'm gesticulating. <laughs> um, an apple. An apple. It could be an apple. Yes. A singular boob. <laughs> A singular boob. That's right. That's right. But there's there's tension and pulling different ways and so on. But the whole thing works in toto. Mm. And yes, it's make it a baby. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So that it's a sterile, static parody of this tussle. Harmonious. Yes, harmonious tussles. Concordia discourse. Excuse me. Oh. Um, and and it, it sort of it's got that slightly artificial feel, hasn't it? Like sort of music, you know. Mm. As I said, in an, an airport lounge or something. Mm. You're not really in reality. <laughs> no. I, I, there's a way in which the garden of the, the, the bar of bliss there's a kind of fundamental underlying boredom about it I think. yeah mm. like airport lunches yes exactly mm. exactly the epitome thereof. it's like oh yeah another vending machine oh yeah another pub <laughs> that's right and oh yeah another couple fornicating by a fountain or not fornicating <laughs> well yeah another boob yeah <laughs> well was in garden of bliss oh sorry like, <laughs> well honestly um <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? At three in the morning, what goes on? Um, yeah, and that ghastly carpet that seems to be made in some factory in Japan, which every airport has the same variety. You of don't know yeah, which airport you're in. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Bliss, incidentally, I suppose we should mention this before. Bliss is the normal, as is used in English, for orgasm, because of course orgasm is a very technical medical term which they didn't have. Oh. Hmm. So you just call it bliss. Hmm. There you go. Did it, did it carry the other meaning of, like, I don't know... Um, well, I, I, oh, yeah, well, any kind of extreme pleasure. Okay. Okay. And it's just, you know, the... But it was a euphemism archi- or just a word for? Just a word, really. Oh, ah. mm. well, there you go. Yeah. You didn't know what an orgasm was. Well... I suppose they didn't. Uh, they knew it was nice. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if they knew exactly... 
physiologically what it was, no. I'm not sure I did. Um, yeah. Yeah. Of course, it does have an evolution, evolutionary roots. Sure does. Mm. <laughs> Everything has its roots. Everything has its roots. Exactly does. So, the mild air with... You see, doesn't that sound a bit bland? The mild air with seasons moderate? Yeah, okay, mm. but yeah, give me a nice thunderstorm. Mm. Give me something sublime. It's juxtaposition, yeah. Yeah. We need, yeah. That's right. Sweet, sweet and wholesome smell. More sweet and wholesome than the pleasant hill of Rodope, on which the nymph that bore a, gin, a giant babe herself for grief did kill. Or the Sicilian Tempe, which if you were of your fair Daphne, Phoebus' heart with love did gore. One of these imaginary comparisons, which of course Milton takes over and famous in or, the Fairfield. Or, or his favourite conjunction. Yes. Yeah. Not that Fairfield of Enna, where preserving gathering flowers and so on. Yeah. yeah. And in a way, you know, these things are never doing the function of similes because, frankly, it's if you tell comparison. me. It's comparison. Yeah. Well, you can't. You tell me this imaginary garden is nicer than that imaginary garden. Okay. But then you tell me that imaginary garden isn't even as nice as imaginary. It's kind of multiplying the unreality of the. Of the yes. And what, it, and what it's doing, of course, is bringing these things into. into comparison, making you think about these theological issues. So in the Milton example you think about about the fact that Eve isn't an innocent victim of Hades. Hades. <laughs> yeah. But is complicit by necessity. Mm. And here you think about the you know the, the kind of violence and odd, odd, oddity and strangeness of these things that are being invoked here. The giant baby that Rodopi has, for example, who was turned into a mountain. They've all got the taint of sin and death about them, these, these little stories. These other gardens, yeah. And sort gardens. of, I guess, we're reminded of Eden, that it was pure and that it was tainted. That's right. I mean, uh, you know, Phoebus, Apollo chasing Daphne. Mm. Basically, it's a pretty story. She turns into a, um, a laurel. Yes, I think a laurel. Laurel tree, yeah. Laurel tree. But, but basically, he just, wants, he just wants to, to roger her. Mm. Without asking. Without asking. <laughs> yes, exactly. Nicely. It's, it's not consensual. No. No. Uh-huh. Exactly. He hasn't sent her flowers first. <laughs> and even then. <laughs> even then. Even then. <laughs> just, <laughs> just to underscore that. <laughs> That's just the beginning, basically. <laughs> So, uh, the, the destructive side of human desire, human love. Everything's pretty in the garden, but, you know, just lift a thing here, lift a thing there, and you can see... Yeah, look more. under the mushrooms. Look under the mushroom. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And Ida. Of course, Ida, lovely. There, is a, there lies a veil in Ida, lovelier than all the valleys of Ionian hills. No, yes. <laughs> no, no. Tennyson. Oh. Hmm. Now, he mentions Ida, too. Yeah, sorry, that's, that's Tennyson. I'll set it myself. I would be cutting that out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know Tennyson. Uh, oh, well, Tennyson's fun. I should you know, correct that, shouldn't I? <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> he, he, wrote a, he wrote a great poem in praise of Milton. On it. Oh, mighty mouth, inventor of harmonies. God-gifted organ voice of England. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. But, um... The point is that Ida is very pretty, mm. but it's it's <laughs> it's the place an analogue of the fall again. It's an analogue of Eden. Well, yeah, it's the place where the Trojan War started because, of course, Paris won the prize, which was 
uh, Helen, and of course him seizing Helen. Is the well, it's the case of Belai after Trojan War. Yes, mm. and and then also, you know, the, the apple. Um, yeah, the apple exactly. Spencer loves his apples. Golden apple of oh. Paris's golden apple. It's, yeah. it's an analogue of losing Eden as well, isn't it? You know, oh, yeah, that's they're right. on Ida and then everyone falls, and it's yes, yeah, exactly the apples of strife. Much wondered guy at the fair aspect of that sweet place. It suffered no delight to sink into his sense. <laughs> he's being vigilant. Yeah, but he hasn't... It's not things he wants. No, no, with exactly. With Adria and with Mammon, it was things he'd he kind <coughs> of wanted. Yeah. And here it's like, non-interested. Yes. Nice trees. <laughs> That's right. So, I don't know. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. It's not praise desire. <laughs> no, no. But pass it forth and look it still forward, look still forward right bridling his will and mastering his mind. So I know that horse image we've had again and again. Rather nicely condensed into bridling his will. But you know, it does it's not taking it's not much effort to bridle his will. Um, no, this it's not it's not a struggle. He's just like mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. No, I'm driving a car. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're you're riding a horse. Yeah, that's it. You were riding into Dodge. Yes. Mm. Or out of Dodge. <laughs> that's exactly right. Um, sorry, uh, to think in a sense, no mind effect, but pass it forth and look, look still forward right, bridling his will and mastering his might. Till he came unto another gate, no gate, but like one, being goodly dight with boughs and branches, which did broad dilate their clasping arms in wanton wreathings intricate. So it's a sort of vegetable parody of human sexuality, isn't it? <laughs> Well, I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm entangled limbs. Entangled limbs. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yes. so the two-headed and eight-legged monster, or whatever it's called, or whatever. Oh, the beast with two backs. That one. That's yeah. right. Yes, that's what Yago calls it. Yeah. <laughs> so fashioned at a porch with rare device, and overhead with an embracing vine whose bunches hanging down seemed to entice all passers-by to taste that luscious wine. <laughs> Um, and did themselves into their hands incline as freely offering to be gathered, some deep empurpled as the hyacinth, some as the rubin laughing sweetly red, some like fair emeralds, not yet well ripened, so some are green, I suppose. Now, well, well actually, we'll, we'll move on a bit, because what, what happens to these bunches? Notice that they're hanging down, they're dangling. <laughs> ah. <laughs> yes, I... Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, dangled bunches. The dangli- dangling bunches. Ad side. Dang- dangling bunches. Uh, dripping with goodness. <laughs> I mean, this isn't me. This is Spencer. It's not you, is it? <laughs> <laughs> Punching the void home. <laughs> <laughs> and them amongst, some were of burnished gold, so made by art to beautify the rest. The, and the idea that art can beautify nature seems an odd one. Art can improve fallen nature, yeah, but that's not... It can't be beautified. No, No, you're gilding the lily here. Gilding the lily, yes. Yes. Exactly. Of course, the original quote there is to gild refined gold. Or paint paint the the lily. lily. Yeah, Yeah. that's right. Which did did themselves amongst the leaves and fold as lurking from the view of covetous guest to the weak boughs with so rich load oppressed did bower down as overburdened under that porch, a comely dame did rest, <laughs> clad in fair weeds. Comely. Oh, yeah, in her left hand, a cup of gold she held, 
interesting. We've got Duessa, mm, of course, in her cup, which is fornication. Exactly, which is a parody. I'm sad to say of the Eucharist and the transubstantiation, but there we go. <laughs> he's he's very much a Protestant poet. With her right hand, the riper fruit did reach, whose sappy liquor that with fullness swelled. And swelling is so often associated, is it not, with well, with tumescence. With you've gotten polite now, Andrew. <laughs> 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 the euphemisms. <laughs> With engorgedness, engorgedness. Let's say engorgedness yes. <laughs> with the red liquid you know, of, the, of the vine, exactly under her fingers, so to speak. Uh-huh. I mean, it's getting a bit naughty, mm. but basically, she's kind of milking these hanging testicles. <laughs> she sure is. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. A third player has entered the room, folks. <laughs> This is, <laughs> this is the bower of bliss, you see. This is a place of, of excess. Of milking hanging testicles. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I did time that on purpose. <laughs> yeah, and that word screws, she screws them with her fine fingers. The dainty, it's a wonderful word, is it? Screws. You, Spencer's getting off here. <laughs> well, well, yeah, I mean, the point is, yes, exactly. That's <laughs> right. Um, Without foul impeach, there are so fair that so fair wine press made the wine more sweet. Mm. Thereto she said she used to give to drink to each whom passing by she happened to meet. You wouldn't want to drink it, though, would you? It was her guise, all strangers goodly so to greet. So everyone gets a squeeze of the the drink of the. Yes, that's right. Well, it's a way of greeting people, isn't it? Squeeze the ball sack, have a taste, exactly. move on, <laughs> into the garden. I think maybe we better pause at this I was going to say, that's a good place to stop. <laughs> but it's definitely... It's, it's Don't a, pretend you weren't leading up to that the whole time. <laughs> it's definitely, though, an image of, well, of excess and licentiousness. Oh, hanky-panky, yes. No, no. No, that's right, hanky Becky. Now, Namby Pamby was the nickname that Pope gave to Ambrose. Uh, Ambrose, um, what's his last name? I've forgotten now. But he was a a minor poet who who got some fame for. Oh, not who I was thinking of. Who were you thinking of? No, no, no. That's like. Oh. Namby, I was getting it wrong. Hanky oh, Becky. Right. Yes. Hanky Becky. Then the fifty-six with the comely dame on the porch, clad in fair weeds, but foul disordered. Uh, and garments loose. So in her left cup, in her left hand, a cup of gold she held, and with her right, the riper fruit did reach. And this cup, we've met this cup before, of course. It's Duessa's cup, full of the filth of her fornications, exactly. whatever that is. Yes, whatever <laughs> We don't really want to know. Um. <laughs> yeah, but of course it's a, it's a parody of the communion cup. And here, of course, it's a, it's a seduction... The, it's going to lead you astray, it's going to lead you away from God into the morass of pleasure. This is a very basic idea, symbolised here by wine, which not only stands for pleasure, but also stands for the kind of dulling of the senses that comes with immersion in, in sensual pleasure. Which is what it's all about here. Whose sappy lipper, liquor, that with fullness swelled into her cup, she screwsed with a dainty breach of her fine fingers without fouling peach. 
She screws is such a lovely word, isn't it? It forces you to push the mouth forward as though you're extruding. It's very violating. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah. Yeah, you squeeze out the word. Squeeze out, like a mouth of toothpaste. Is there a word for that? No, there isn't, but there should be. (laughs) Or screwsing. Screwsing. Screwsing out a mouthful of something. Yeah. Except here she's screwsing up in her fine fingers, which are sort of slightly erotically portrayed here. And we can think of this as a sort of image, I think as we were suggesting before, but we got cut off, of a curious way of greeting male customers or visitors by squeezing and kind of milking their testicles. I can't say I've <laughs> no? met anyone at the door that way. No, no. No. It would seem rather forward. Yeah. <laughs> um, sexual assaulty, even. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Yeah, that's the idea. So the, all the liquor, the riper fruit is popping. You know, this is premature ejaculation, I would say. Mm. Got very excited with the lady at the door grabbing his, grabbing his equipment. So, but with dainty breach of her fine finger, so that's all right, you know. It's an enjoyable hold. That, that's right, exactly. And also, it's kind of delicate. It's like, like, you know, drinking your tea with a little pinky raised. It's not fondling balls in a <laughs> polite way. In a polite way. <laughs> On the porch. On the porch. Yeah, that's right. That so fair wine press made the wine more sweet. Thereof she used to give the drink to each whom passing by she happened to meet. It was her guise, all strangers, goodly so to greet. <laughs> Hmm. Hmm. Okay. So she to Guyon offered it to taste. He, taking it out of her tender, tender hon, the cup to ground it violently cast, that all in pieces it was broken foul. Fond, sorry. And with the liquor stained all the land, whereat excess exceedingly was wrath. Yet not as ever men, nor yet withstand, but suffered him to pass, all were she loath, who naught regarding her displeasure forward goeth. So he passes the first test. <laughs> Doesn't hang around for the massage. <laughs> <laughs> no happy ending. No happy ending. There. Okay. <laughs> there, the most dainty paradise on ground itself doth offer to his sober eye, in which all pleasures plenteously abound, and none does others' happiness envy. The painted flowers, the trees up shooting high, the dales for shade, the hills for breathing space. The trembling groves, the crystal running by, and that which all fair works does most a grace, the art which all that wrought, appeared in no place. So it's quite interesting. Dainty. Dainty is it's not kind of a word for nature, is it really? It means. Because it's cultivated, refined. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Finely wrought, elaborate. Yeah. Uh, and so. It's slightly off. It's slightly jarring when you're talking about the natural world here. Only slightly, but it is slightly. And and then, oh, sorry. Sorry, sorry. No, no, you go. Well, I can say the painted flowers. Now, the painted flowers mm. is, is, is kind of appropriate if you're thinking of the colours of the flowers. It's not inappropriate entirely, but it's just enough inappropriate here because it's a, an artificial word. It's as though you're spe- tre- speaking of the landscape here not as something that happened to be there, but as something that's wrought. And of course, you know, you could then say, well, that's what gardening is. Gardening arranges stuff in pretty ways. Yeah, yeah. That's right. But nonetheless, it's kind of over-arranged perhaps is the idea, I think, here. Yeah. And everything is for. Yeah. 
the dales for shade, the hills for breathing space. It's all art. And that point at the bent, the end, which all that wrought appeared in a period, <laughs> in no place. Yeah, it doesn't appear exactly. in reality, but it's, and that's, you know, that would be a fun riddle about, oh, right. you know, Nate nature or paintings or something you know what appears in here but is not real um because that's the point you can paint this but it doesn't appear in place is that what he's trying to say well yeah he's actually alluding to the old horatian Um. saying ars est celare artem which means literally the true art is to conceal art and you know and you can see what that means it means that you should look at the painting. This is this is the kind of ancient Roman ideal. Look at a painting, and you don't see a painting. You see a perfect imitation of reality, such that the bees want to perch on the flowers, even though they're not real. Mm-hmm. That kind of thing. Okay. Um, lots of anecdotes about you know, famous painters in the past who had people perching on their grapes, their painted grapes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh. So there's that. But in this context. Again, it's beautifully done. Spencer's so clever at this. It's just a hint of the slightly sinister, isn't there? Yeah. The, it's, it's because the art is concealed from you. And when the art is concealed from you, you might justly suspect that, you know, you're having a swift one pulled on you. <laughs> Which we are. Well, we are. Exactly. If we're not being vigilant, yeah. It's a card trick, like three-card Monty. Or yeah. <laughs> so... Again, the appearance seems innocent, but there's this jarring note. So it's very delicately done. Um, and I think that's important because, you know, we shouldn't think this is kind of an obvious, tawdry, cheap bit of rubbish. And that's sometimes how critics represent the garden, though so easily rejected because it's, it's such... not, no, yeah. Not at all. It's profoundly seductive. And it... Even the poetry draws you in. Yes, exactly so. Pleasures plenteously abound. Yes, because the art that is creating this is, in fact, Spencer's art at bottom. And is there a question here, then, about, like, other um, poetic representations of gardens where sinful stuff happens? Uh, A thousand. Or or even just the... The, the morality of poetry if, mo- if poetry can seduce and conceal and artfully cultivate it, yes, there's a question there about that as well fundamental questions exactly. okay. about you know classical literary theory and, and the purpose yeah the purpose even if the purpose is a moral purpose if it's conducted through deception is that a good thing yeah is it? Well, <laughs> I mean, it's, well, yeah. <laughs> why not? <laughs> yeah. Well, you, you, you take the medicine and you put it in a, in a pill that looks like a sweetie and then you give it to the child. Mm. So you've deceived the child into accepting the moral nugget of goodness. Mm. But is that... Well, are there problems with that, maybe? Um, should people be swindled into, into taking moral advice? My answer is yes. <laughs> I'm leaning on yes. I would like to do that to the first years. <laughs> maybe not moral, maybe well, literature. Like, yes. we give them a sweetie, but inside it is literature they don't know they're eating. That's right. Well, that is literature. Yes. Um, mm. That's right. Well, and that, that's, that's one of the basic classic um, classical theories of, of art that works, you know. It has a moral purpose that yeah. is hidden. Utile per dulce. That's... Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. 
Mm-hmm. Useful and the pleasant. Yes, yes, that's right. And I mean, you know, to some extent, that's how the whole damn poem works from go to work, isn't it? And and all good literature, I suppose. Yeah, because you know the idea. Remember, Keats says somewhere we hate we hate poetry that has a design upon us. Well, it's not true because all all poetry up to. Because there's so much we feel the design. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Mozart, he's got a design on you. Okay. You know, no, almost nobody writes poetry without some sort of some sort of moral design, do they? Yeah. But the the, the, the pleasure draws you in, even if even if it's quite complicated, like like the fact that you know La Belle Dame sans Merci is not making a simple point about wicked women who live in the woods and deceive you. Mm. But about crazy men who have these absurd fantasies bred out of a, a fear of female sexuality and impose that upon innocent maidens living in caves eating nuts. <laughs> yes, it's true. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, it happens all the time. So the garden here is kind of dealing with these questions and presenting them. Yeah, that's right, that's yeah. why. I mean, it shouldn't be easy to dismiss. Yeah. And we might even feel that Guyon dismisses it a bit too, too easily, easily. Yeah. 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 Given his failings thus far. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. He isn't, he's not an A student, is he? No. He's he's barely he's getting by on passes, I think. <laughs> With the Palmer, he's got a friend who's passing oh, him right. the notes. Oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah, the Palmer's a research student. <laughs> yes, I love that and all, all that, that line, which has this faintly sinister resonance takes up a whole Alexandrine the art which all that wrought appeared in no place but he's just appeared it <laughs> yes <laughs> and, and we're meant to go wait what huh what yeah exactly yes yes that's right mm. <laughs> one would have thought so cunningly the rude and scorned parts were mingled with the fine that nature had for wantonness envied art and that art at nature did repine so we're suggesting a kind of combat here between them when, of course, the proper relationship between them is restorative. Uh, the idea that, of course, art props up, improves men's fallen nature. Mm. Prepare the ruins of our first parents. Exactly. Yes. So that, for example, with a bit of nature, the natural state of nature in a fallen world, that is the unnatural natural state of depraved nature, is to be sterile and barren and useless. Only good for voles and things like that. (laughs) The kind of art that takes perfectly good wood or bower or something and turns it into a kind of hyper-stimulus of beauty and seduction, that's actually a kind of corrupt art which is lurking not against the fall but with the fall mm. to exacerbate the, the temptations of nature. So it's not a question of art good, nature bad, or whatever. Or <laughs> yeah. nature good, art bad. Which would be almost Wordsworth's point of view. Wordsworth is being very naive there. You know, He thinks that if he kind of doesn't scan properly and use this rather lumpy language in some of those Little about it, that's okay, that's natural, you know. 
But that's as much fudging as you. It's like the thorn. The thorn is like the worst palm ever. <laughs> I think. Well, yeah, it's because he didn't have a sense of humour, isn't it? No. Well, he didn't have a sense of humour. <laughs> maybe I'm being mean to Wordsworth. I'm sorry. Um, he just comes across it all. I've not read about Wordsworth biography, but I've read a lot of biographies of people around him. Mm. And he always comes across as this, like, grumpy... <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you know, figure on the edge of the circle. Exactly. Mm. Exactly. Yeah. Do you really want to publish that, William? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you're, you're, you're beginning to suspect that art and nature are kind of undermining each other. And the nature is doing this for wantonness, and wantonness, of course, ultimately means fallen concupiscence, doesn't it? It's, it's the thing that emerges in Eve after after she's fallen, a wantonness. Fallen concupiscence. Hmm. Because it means it means that you're driven to be wanton is to be driven merely by desire, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Without, without, like a crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So no, no just disordered design, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. So there's no input from principle or, you know, any kind of pre-existing ideas of how you walk to bathe. Yeah. You just do it, man, because it feels good. YOLO. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was trying to get a kind of 70s vibe there, you know. If it scratches, if it itches, scratch it. <laughs> I feel like that's back. I think that's is, Gen Z now. Yeah. Is it? Okay. <laughs> so striving each to the other to undermine, each to the other's work more beautify. So there's this kind of strife going on, and they're, they're mutual. Mm. Yes, that's right. But it's also somehow making them more lively and more vigorous and more, you know, more engaged and therefore beautified, I think. I think what beautified means there it doesn't mean statically pretty, like a flower arrangement, but it's got a kind of energy to it. Because they're fighting each other, they're tussling, or appearing to. So differing both in wills, agreed in fine. So all agreed through sweet diversity, this garden to adorn with all the variety, which is a parody, of course, of. Um, well, no. I'm sorry, Christian. Uh, uh, <laughs> thinking uh, of something. <laughs> <laughs> a kind of chaotic mess which it produces an apparent. Oh, um. Concordia Discord. Exactly. exactly. And in the midst of all, a fountain stood. Oh, yeah. I mean... And that, this is Concordia Discord, right? Out yes. Of, out of all this madness. That's right, that's right. There is a plan. There is a plan. But there's a fountain in the middle. I, I suppose my point is that we don't have to work too hard at the symbolism of this fountain. <laughs> Peter is... <laughs> waggling his pen at me <laughs> for the listeners at home but also you're meant to think back to Kento 1 uh, yes <laughs> um, but we are, as de- we are depraved so no, it's right. not the first thing we think of exactly. okay so distinctly Spencer has depraved us phallic fountain <laughs> very much so okay. yes. of richest substance that on earth might be so pure and shiny that a silver flood through every channel, running on might see running one might see. I beg your pardon. Most goodly it with curious imagery was overwrought, and shapes of naked boys, which some of which some seemed with lively jollity to fly about playing their wanton toys, whatever that means, whilst others did themselves embay in liquid joys. 
I mean, it sounds lovely. Yes, it does. <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> yeah, and that's the whole idea. It's because it's, it's all about pleasure. It's not about reproduction. It's not about... And we're just meant to look. Yes, and, that's yeah, right. And languish. Yes. Indolently. Exactly. Exactly. Mm. And watch. Yeah. Watch the naked boys in the fountain with their toys. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Chacun a son goût. What does that mean? Oh, it means everybody has taste. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, it's been theorised mm-hmm. by I think Stephen Greenblatt and others that one of the one of the pleasures of theatre going for chaps was to pervert young boys. No, no, <laughs> surely not. Well, no. <laughs> surely not. I, I, Maybe I some chaps. Some, some, yeah, not everybody. I, I, I trust, but I think in that culture, the male body was more eroticised than it is probably nowadays in a three-piece suit. Oh. You know. And particularly the young male body was more eroticised. And you can kind of see traces of that. Interesting. In the poem, yeah. Okay. So. We think Greenblatt was onto something. Well, uh, yeah, maybe, partly, uh, sort of, kind of. Interesting. Mm. Hmm. So, you know, the, the fact that Shakespeare does go on a bit about the, youth, the, the beautiful youth, in, it's, to hmm. a certain extent, part of the culture he inhabits. Hmm. The, the admiration of bodily beauty is a kind of okay thing. It gets a tick. I mean, it's a nice change from kind well, of objectifying female bodies. Exactly. So. Well, they both get objectified, except you see less of the female bodies anyway. Yeah, than you would expect. Which, again, this argument that Spencer is a sexist poo-head. <laughs> Unpacking it every week. Absolutely. Incidentally, of course, that might account for a, quite a lot of the women dressing up as... Boys. Boys. Girls dressing up as boys. Because then, when they're dressed up as... Boys, they look you like... can pervert them too, because well, because of the, in, in terms of you know, yeah. they're wearing boots and swords and cocked oh, hats, and, and it's allowed. It's allowed, just like you know the, the pantomime, the pantomime principal boy in the Victorian theatre, mm. who was always a girl wearing these long boots and things, and this is stuff you couldn't possibly see because everybody was covered down to the ground, oh. free. Yeah, frills and doilies. And Some Victorian chap who said that you know, until he was quite an older child, he thought women ran about on wheels because he'd never seen a female foot or a leg. No wonder. They were so <laughs> repressed. I know. I know. Now it's the opposite. <laughs> but everyone seems fine. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, I, well, we got onto that. Because, naked boys. Yeah, naked boys, because naked boys aren't everybody's cup of tea. So to speak. <laughs> but clearly they were more people's cup of tea. More, more culturally more desired. Culturally, more culturally desired. That's much better, yes. <laughs> I should have forgot the cups of tea on the poke. <laughs> <laughs> well that's an important consent metaphor these days. Is it? Have you not seen that? Oh the famous video. If you ask was someone... Was a government-issued thingy? No, initially it was a meme and then the government took oh. it. Yeah. Oh, there was some kind of milkshake. Don't you remember that? that was Ages quite recent. ago, recently, recently, I've seen the recent one. If someone, if someone's making, you, if you say yes to a milkshake and then you change your mind halfway through, you can't be made to drink it or something. <laughs> well, that might be it. I don't know. I didn't okay. think it was <laughs> Anyway, it was a bit silly. And overall, of purest gold was spread a trail of ivy, in his native hue, for the rich metal was so coloured that white who did not well advised it for you, would surely deem it to be ivy true. 
So it's covered in ivy, but it's kind of fake ivy, interestingly. Because to say a trail of ivy in its native hue seems like an odd thing to say. I mean, ivy, ivy is evergreen. Mm-hmm. Ivy doesn't fade. It's just always ivy green. So to say that sounds a bit odd. Until so we're talking about false ivy, which you can... I mean, people do do this, you know. Yeah, no, yeah. yeah. Fake houseplants and things, yeah. That, that's right. That's right. But this, is, this isn't cheap and crappy and obvious. This is really good. So good. So good, you can hardly tell the difference. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I mean, ivy is often used in expressing some idealised notion of female-male relationships. Marriage, say, isn't it? Remember the in Milton, in Paradise Lost, a couple of times, the image of the female ivy clasping its fingers around the oak. Yes, OK. So the oak lends, or the elm, lends strength, strength power. Vitality. But the ivy lends beauty. And adornment. Adornment, yes. And support. And, well... It's hanging on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's I hanging don't know. on. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. And the two platonically yes, they become one. each other, yeah. They become one. They almost have, you know, a single... Um, man and wife is one flesh, so... Mm. You know, you could think of them as having a single sap system. Um, we should. We shouldn't, though. <laughs> well, if they did, like some sort of, you know, like some sort of alien monster, then... <laughs> that's what they're thinking. Then that's the blood that courses through both sets of veins because man and wife is one flesh does that make sense yeah (laughs) I mean yeah Yeah. (laughs) interesting (laughs) but here it's just ivy on its own and it's fake ivy that it's hard for us to see that it's fake so we're meant to recognise something is off exactly right but surely deem it to be ivy true and when that happens you're being deceived now it might be an innocent deception but, you know, there's, there's, there's one step from innocent deception to less innocent deception. Who's to draw the line? Lo, his lascivious arms are bounded, creep. Mm. I mean, that sounds a lot more sinister, doesn't it? Lascivious arms because the ivy embraces the trunk, so they're kind of getting it on together. <laughs> but themselves dipping in the water, in the silver dew, their fleecy flowers, they tenderly did steep, which drops of crystal seem in far wantonness, for wantonness to me. It's such seductive poetry. Mm, isn't it just? Yes. And it always reminds me of um, Line the Witch in the Wardrobe, Edward arriving, and then the, the witch sort of, uh, yeah, lulling him into this false sense of security. Oh, right, mm. right. In the forest in yeah, Narnia. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. With a Turkish delight. Yeah. I mean, that's what Spencer's doing. He's like, do you want a Turkish delight? And we're saying, yes, please, I'll have another. Exactly. <laughs> in, in the... In that world, which is, I think is post-war, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Things like Turkish delight would be unheard of. I, mean, I remember as a child, but it was a long time since I had, I had a piece of Turkish delight. You couldn't even get oranges, you know. At, at Christmas, you got, might get an orange in your stocking from Santa Claus because they were such rare things. Because when did rationing end? Uh, after I was born. I was born in 54, and I think it ended about 55, 56. Wow. Mm. Wow. It's a big thing. Mm. Mm. Thank you. But you can see why, therefore, it would have such a power when it appeared. And over children as well. Yes. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Oh, God, yes. Infinite streams continually did well out of this fountain, mm. sweet and fair to see. The witch into an ample lava fell and shortly grew to a great quality. A lava here is a bowl, 
and shortly grew to a great quantity that, like a little lake it seemed to be, whose depth exceeded not three cubits high. Wow, it's quite deep. A cubit is, I think, about from there to there. So, so it wasn't... About a metre and a half high? Yeah, I mean, a human can stand up in it. Okay. But it's largely immersed. It's a, it's a deep fountain. It's a deep fountain, yes. Yeah. But through the waves one might the bottom see, all paved beneath with jasper shining bright. It seemed the fountain in that seed its sailor bright. Seeing the water, seeing the bottom through it, of course, is a kind of luxury. Because, I mean, you know, water kept in the open air rapidly goes filthy and smelly. <laughs> yeah, clean water. Clean Right. Yes. That's the point. That's the point. We get this beautiful clear water. Exactly. And, and you know, you think of this huge, huge resonance of this. The whole idea of the garden, the Middle Eastern garden, the Persian garden, whatever... Birds, archers, pools of water, as as a wonderful relief from the desert outside. You know, mm. the, 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 and here you're you're the you're the sheikh or the sultan or something, and you've got this wonderful pleasure garden with birds in it. Nice. <laughs> yes, and of course that's absolutely the origin of the notion of paradise. If you lived in a jungle, you probably wouldn't have any idea of paradise, would you? This is, this is it. This is it. This is the jungle. Yeah, you can't give them more. I don't know. This is totally irrelevant, isn't it? But um, perhaps a cool cave would be (laughs) (laughs) Or a hotel room. (laughs) (laughs) With room service. You wouldn't have to catch. And Wi-Fi. And Wi-Fi. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) (sighs) Anyway. And all the margined roundabout was set with shady laurel trees, then stood a fen with sunny beams which on the billows beat. So it's a shady place. It's a locus of I mean, You're very much a locus of Venus, yeah. Thoroughly Venus. I mean, we are lulled in. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, we've got three stanzas now, yeah. It's amininimus, you might say. Which would, yes. be, which would be Latin for extremely aminus. Minimus. Well, not minimus, no. A- aminus means pleasurable. Okay. So aminus. Amin. If you say aminissimus... Mm. That means even more pleasurable. If you say aminimus, that would mean extremely pleasurable. Ah. That's, that's the beauty of Latin. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Aminus. It's cool. Yeah. And those which there were in bathed, none might offend, so they kept shady while they're bathing. <laughs> As Guyan happened by the same to wind, two naked damsels he there in his spies. So he is. Who sees Diana? Oh, um, Actian. He's Actian here. Well, he is, isn't he? Because I'm Actian in truth stumbles across. You're meant to think of that, right? Yeah, I think you are. Absolutely meant to think you are. Yeah. The difference is that that Diana is powerful and threatening. These damsels are just... No, they're just kind of... Flopping in a pool. Yes, exactly. And they're not particularly worried about being seen. And is the point that we are looking? We are made to look, aren't we? Mm. We become we are, complicit voyeurs. We start with the the nice fountain, and we go, oh, that's a nice fountain. Yeah, and then right. the ivy that's not really, okay. And then that's we right. get these two very seductive stanzas. Because we've suddenly, come to a, a sort of a, um, a breadcrumb trail of... Wardrobe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but, but also, yes, the sexual suggestiveness. Yeah. Our, 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 that's kind of not obvious at all but just hinted at ironic that it's through a closet um, <laughs> <laughs> that's right. but yes 
and and he sprinkles it in. You go, oh, that's okay. And then another one, oh, that's all right. And then that's suddenly right. it's like, well, there's been a few too many. That's right. We might have had too many breadcrumbs. Exactly. <laughs> Hello, where are we? Yeah. It's a sexy breadcrumb tree. <laughs> yeah. That's right. So, what ought he to do? Well, he ought to back out of there pretty damn fast, oughtn't he? But he doesn't. Interestingly, here we are. Sometimes the oh, oh, oh gone too far, mm-hmm. so to speak. So, so is Guyon. As Guyon happened by the same to wind, two naked damsels he there inspired. It's interesting that he happened by the same to wind. We've got so used in this poem to happening things happening that in fact happened. Yeah, he made a choice. <laughs> yes, he picked up the breadcrumbs on on some unconscious level. He didn't say, "Ooh, better not go that way." Mm. You know, oh dear. That way Nautilus lies. Instead, he charged right in. Also, we talked ages ago, um, House of Alma is assailed, and it's, you know, represented as the way the senses get assailed. Yeah? What does, sorry? This, uh, House of Alma is getting oh, assailed. Yes, 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 yes. And it, you know, uses the metaphor of the yeah. senses. Yeah. It's the same thing here, but it's in practice. The senses are being lulled. Yes, and they are. And it's not like you're being battered on the door by, you know, exactly. a, a bad smell or whatever. It's lovely smells and exactly. they're creeping in to get you. But isn't that entire point on yeah. what about vigilance? You, you, you know, if, there are, if these people are out to get you, then you don't kind of relax. Yeah. And, um, if... You know, suppose suppose some bailiff is trying to serve you with a warrant. Mm. You don't go around accepting bits of paper from everybody you see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So in other words, he is he's not just any old Joe wandering in a pleasant garden thinking, "Ooh, nice birds, nice fountain, nice tits." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He should be on his guard. By the time he got there... We've been through a bit here, Guy, on Pull Together. That's right. And he's done the lust of the eye through Cave of Mammon. He should know by now. And he fell down in a swoon. Although, did he ever really learn anything from that? Maybe not. It's not like he stood up and went, I won't do that again. Or the palmer came in and said... No, he doesn't, does he, really? He just doesn't really learn, Guy. We are meant to learn from it, I guess. Well, that's right. That's right. Spencer's just pushing his knight off a cliff and being like, see... (laughs) To us. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah, that, that's perfectly correct. Oh, yeah, Tegan and Naked Zamel seem to contend and wrestle wantonly. <laughs> they care to hide the daily, daily parts from view of any which they might. Gosh, how careless of them. <laughs> um, Wrestling in the pool. They suddenly realise they've got an audience, I think. Is that sometimes the one would lift the other quite above the waters and then down again? Oh, it's synchronized swimming, <laughs> <laughs> but naked. <laughs> naked, naked. That's right. Uh, and then down again, her plunge as over Martha and by night. So they're playing. They're playing a sort of power games, you know. It's very kinky. Mm-hmm. Where both a while would cover and remain, and each the other from to rise restrain. So they're playing this game with him, of course. Peekaboo, basically. The while their snowy limbs, as through a veil, so through the crystal waves, appeared at plain. Then suddenly both with themselves unheal, and them are as sweet spoils to greedy eyes reveal. It's a very interesting passage because we're looking at it and we can't turn away. No, we can't turn away because the, the poetry is presenting it to us. Yes. And we sort of think, well, it's kind of Ground's point of view. So in fact, we have to imagine this is Guyon staring at them and being unable to turn away is kind of 
fixated. From the lesbian porn. And, and therefore we can't do anything else because we can't turn away without stopping reading the poem. At this point, you see, he should have said, no, dear, dear. Goodness me. Yes, exactly. I'm going to go off and have a nice cup of tea. What's all this then? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Or tell them off, of course, you know. Stop it at once, girls, and put something on. (laughs) Don't you know people can see you? Exactly. (laughs) As that fair star, the messenger of morn, her dewy face out of the sea doth rear, which of course is Venus, oddly. Or as the Cyprian goddess, newly born of the ocean's fruitful froth, did first appear. Also, that's Venus, Venus again. Yeah. Okay, all right. I thought I was going mad. No, well, Venus. Different birth stories. Uh, well, no, no, no. But Venus is sometimes identified as the evening star and the morning star, because you know the fact that Venus is so close to the sun mm. means that we see it once as you know as we're passing into night as the evening star, and once as we pass into the morning, the morning star, and the the. Evening star wasn't necessarily associated with Venus. I think it was quite late in the thing. Hmm. Because the morning, the morning star, of course, is Lucifer. Yeah. Exactly. So ultimately, Lucifer and Venus are the same mythological figure. Make of that what you will. I will. <laughs> I bet you will. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing really in it, though, is there? Um, well, because they didn't know, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. Symbolically, they're still very different. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Otherwise, it would just be like love and, I guess, sin coming together or something. Yeah. Because there's a Venus. You could certainly wrangle it. You could, yeah, I'm not going to, though. I'm not a bad <laughs> scholar. <laughs> Shoehorn it in. Exactly. Well said. Well said. Such seemed they, and to that, so their yellow hair, crystalline humour, drop it down again. With whom, with whom such when Guyon saw, he drew him near. And someone can relent his earnest pace. So he comes closer and he slows down a bit. <coughs> you know? <laughs> it's quite a nice way, the, the, the deadpan way the narrator describes this without ascribing He's any... horny. Yes, yep. exactly. His stubborn breast can secret pleasance to embrace. Well, say no more. <laughs> embrace, of course, is... <laughs> Boner? Uh, no, 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 no. It's 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 kind of it's kind of slang for basically have it away, you know, get it on. Okay, numpty pumpty. Numpty pumpty. Thank you. Joyous <laughs> jollyment. <That's right. laughs> okay. Joyous jollyment. Yeah. So <laughs> we're adults. We can say sex. <laughs> <laughs> right. Secret right. pleasures to embrace. Yeah. In other words, the prospect of secret pleasures. Okay. Yep. Notice, notice though the interesting way in which it's phrased. In terms of agency, he relents his pace, but it's his stubborn breast that begins to embrace the pleasure. So it's not a full act of the will. It's part of his body acting on its own. I can't imagine which one. (laughs) (laughs) Perhaps the one influenced by the fall because of what happened to the central nervous system. Same thing that causes blushing. You're thinking of Augustine. No. You're not thinking of Augustine, okay. Well, the re- same reason we the blush is the same reason bonus happens. The autonomous happen. nervous system. Autonomous nervous which system. Which causes engorgement of blood. Of course. Yes, exactly. You had to say engorgement. engorgement. <laughs> it's a good word. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know you know that um, in the City of God, Augustine claims that the involuntary nature of erections 
is God's. Do you reckon Augustus had a little problem? <laughs> <laughs> well, and the point is they are. They they happen when they're not wanted, and they don't happen when they are wanted. Yeah. So they're not under the control of the will. Yes. Whereas you know, plucking an apple from a tree it's... is under your, your willful control. Yes. So Augustine says that this is God's little joke. Because what God says is, okay, Jack, you chose disobedience, so now you're going to get disobedience of your own body against yourself. Contrapasso. Yeah, exactly, it's a contrapasso. Yeah. It's a classic contrapasso. So every time the thing happens when it's not, when it's inconvenient, or doesn't happen when it would be convenient, you are, you get your nose rubbed in the fall. So to speak. So to speak, yes. Hmm. Women have to give birth, so we still came off worse. Well, <laughs> that's true. That's true. Not a good one. <laughs> right. So his stubborn breast is beginning to embrace secret pleasance. Secret because naughty, hidden from you, but nonetheless it's pleasant. The wanton maidens, him as spying, stood gazing a while. Notice how, how nice that enjambment is, how it slows that line stood. down. Stood. Gazing. gazing a while and went to guys. Again, just as he stops and gazes at her, for them, they stop and gaze it's at her. a lot him. of gazing. A lot of gazing going on, yeah. No touching. This is the place of gazing. Yeah. It's like a it's like a peep show. I was trying to think of a modern equivalent. That would be it, yeah. It, except that such things are very um, old fashioned, I suppose, aren't they? Since I wouldn't know, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> At the end of the pier, you know, at Brighton, you might have a what the butler saw machine. You put in your penny. And what the butler saw. Yes, exactly. Okay. And then a little sort of slide would come up in front of this thing, and you could you could see a, a naughty little pornographic image. Yes, in the. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. These actually predate me. All right. I believe you. Well. I think of them as the sort of the 20s, the 30s, 40s, you know. It's kind of... I mean, now we have porn on our phones. It's everywhere. We do. Yeah. We don't need to put a dollar in anything. No, we I don't. Could, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's right. And we have billboards and TV shows. Yeah. But it is still lost of the eye. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's just multiplied. The, the, the opportunities for lost of the eye are hugely multiplied. <laughs> Again, you know, you could get saucy postcards. That's as far as it went, I suppose, because po- postcards are... Can't work with you there. Yeah. Um. Well, well these, these are jocular. There's an essay by George Orwell about it, um, The Art of... But yes, all that, all that stuff, which was just waiting, a huge appetite waiting to be satisfied by, as you say, <laughs> the internet. Well, lust of the eye. Right, OK, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's interesting. They say Gen Z are having the least sex of any generation ever. Interesting. Because they're all online. Yeah. Oh, right. Okay. So it really is a generation of the lust of the eye. Yes, it is. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> no, no comment. Well, I don't know. I mean, is it also lust of the hand? Yeah. No, absolutely. Oh, it is. Oh, I see. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, that makes sense. I mean, kind of, it's intelligible anyway. <laughs> so, the wanton, ma- oh, it's wanton maidens... Stood gazing. Then the one herself low ducked in the flood, abashed that her estranged did arise. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Definitely abashed. 
Like, or either that, or this is more of this kind of game of display, and yeah. hiding. Oh no! Yes, exactly. Come closer. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the other rather higher did arise, and her two lily paps aloft displayed. And all that might his melting heart entice to her delights, she unto him bereaved. Oh, careless. The rest it underneath, him more desirous made. There it is. <laughs> there it is. That <laughs> yes. guy on your failed. Exactly, yeah. Big, big cross. He's relenting his earnest pace, so yeah. Um, oh, she's, she's hiding her, her bits underneath. Oh, classic stuff. The th- it's interesting, I mean, the, the, the part that's hidden is somehow more exciting than the part that isn't hidden. Psychological. Yeah. 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 Jung would love it. I know, I know. Uh, <coughs> you know, sort of a chong sam with a slit up the thigh is much more sexy than, a, than wearing shorts. I suppose. Playing with a beach ball. Well, it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I will defer to your judgment. <laughs> <laughs> okay, with that, the other likewise upper rose. And her fair locks, with that, the other likewise up arose, and her fair locks, which formerly were bound up in one knot, she lower down did lose. Loose, I beg your pardon. He often does that, doesn't he? Loose and loose. Which flowing long and thick are clothed around. So, long, loose hair, of course, we all know what that means. Wantonness. Wantonness. And the ivory and golden mantle gowned, so that fair spectacle from him was reft. Yet that which rifted, no, no less fair was found. So hid in locks and waves and lookers theft, nor put her lovely face she is for his looking left. So again, concealing it doesn't really do the trick, because in fact, now we know what's there, the concealing of it merely makes it more enticing. It's kind of like the psychology of... Again, it's the, you know, standing halfway in the water. Yes, yeah, that's yeah. right, that's right. Yeah. With all she laughed... Laughed, sorry, and she blushed with all, and blushing to her laughter gave more grace. And laughter to her blushing as did fall. This is like seduction 101, isn't mm-hmm. it? <laughs> also, blush, 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 blush. Blush. Autonomous, That's nervous, the autonomous system. nervous system. Yeah. Very much so, yes, exactly right. Um, there's a lovely line in Dunn where he talks about a woman blushing. This is a blood did seem to come and go with tidings from her heart. Which is quite nice, because they're tidings from the heart. They're not tidings from the brain. They're tidings from the heart, which you don't have any control over. Oh, OK, that is hmm. kind of nice. All right. Yeah. <laughs> now when they spied the knight to slack his pace, them to behold, in, her, in, the, in his sparkling face the secret signs of kindled lust appear. Well, we're getting really near the knuckle here. Their wanton merriments they did increase. Oh, that's a surprise. I thought they'd immediately put on their towels and rush off. <laughs> <laughs> and to him beckoned to approach more, more near. Come hither. Come hither. And showed him many sights that courage cold could rear. Guy on. And yeah, courage cold could rear. I mean, Bippity-boppity back up. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was already reared anyway. <laughs> <laughs> on which, when gazing him the palmer saw, he much rebuked those wandering eyes of his. I bet he did. What's the palmer been doing thus far? <laughs> well, he's been gazing somewhere, hasn't he? Perhaps. Even the palmer's drawn in. That's right. Or he was playing Sudoku on his phone. He's right. doing his Latin on Duolingo. <laughs> 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 he's just looked up. Hey, stop that. <laughs> <laughs> 
the alternative is yes, that the, the Palmer is kind of drawn in too. As the narrator is to us. Yes. Yeah. And as we are. And it's interesting, isn't it? How it obviously works on male view readers in one way, but I suppose also, you know, female readers read this feel seduction. I mean, it still feels it's sexy. Yeah, it's sexy. Yeah. It's porn. That's the word. Well, not porn. <laughs> sexy. Sexy. Yeah. <laughs> but it is pornographic. It is. It's, uh, what do we call oh, yes. it? Um, soft porn? Soft porn, yes. yeah. Oh, exactly, yes. Titties and fountains, yeah. <laughs> Am I wrong? No, no, absolutely right. <laughs> I mean, that's all the country estates in England, the titties and fountains, titties and paintings. It, it, it nails it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's a shame you haven't got a visual element to this. I suppose it's your website, you know. I can dump it up as the episode cover. I kind of have an idea for the picture for the episode. Oh, you've got some titties and fountains? I'll find some. Yeah, yeah. oh yeah, easily found them. <laughs> Right. <laughs> On which, when gazing him, the palmer saw he much rebuked those wondering eyes of his, and counselled well him forward thence to draw. Now they come nigh to the bower of bliss, of her fond favourite so named amiss. When, when thus the palmer, now, sir, well advised, for here the end of all our travel is. She one is Acrasia, whom we must surprise. <laughs> Else she will slip away, and all our drift despise. See, that feels so strange because we've just had all these stanzas of, like, languishing. Yes. And now it's business. It's like, surprise! Yep. It's like, well, no, I can't move fast. I'm half asleep. I'm drunk on milk exactly. and honey. Like, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Dazed. Yes. Now, a crazier we've, we've been sort of introduced to already. Basically, of course. Disorderly desire. Disorderly desire. <laughs> and bad, bad rule or no rule. Lack of misrule. 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 Yeah, that's right. F. they heard a most melodious sound of all that might delight. She's an enchantress, by the way. I think. Yeah. That's not, not really what she's a Circe. A Circe figure. Yes. Analog. A Circe analog. And that was and that was me enchanting. Okay, I thought it was. It is isn't found. <laughs> no, no. Um, yeah. Uh, but also, of course, crucially, Tasso's Armida, who is a, an enchantress in Jerusalem Liberata, mm. which is such an important poem behind Mary Fairy Queen. I know. There's always, there's always something behind the next door, isn't there? <laughs> and the trouble with Spencer, he read so much. It's very hard to catch up. I know. Spencer didn't work four jobs. <laughs> he didn't, he didn't. No, no. Eftsoons they heard a most melodious sound of all that might delight a dainty ear. Is that word dainty again? Suggesting kind of refined pleasure. Hmm. Such as at once might not on living ground, save in this paradise, be heard elsewhere. Right hard it was for white which did adhere to read what manner music that might be. For all that pleasing is to living ear was there consorted in one harmony. Birds, voices, instruments, winds, waters, all agree. Nice idea being consorted in one harmony. And then you look at it and it's a mixture of natural things, birds and waters and winds, and artificial things, voices and instruments. Well, those voices are kind of squarely between the two, aren't they? 
They're part of our natural bodies, but they're also cultivated and shaped. Artificial, yeah. yeah. And it's that art be nature thing, but they're in union. You yes, know. so it's a, it's a consort. It's, they're not striving here, they all come beautifully together into one. So, you know, there's no denying that this place is beautiful uh, and seductive in its, its own right. For women to be vigilant and recognise. Yeah. But, you know, I mean... It's not real. It's not, it's not real, no. But, then, you know, neither is a film real. Um, I don't know if that's irrelevant. In other words... Yeah, I... <laughs> women not meant to get sucked into the beauty of it. Women to recognise that it's cultivated and therefore... But it's maybe dangerous, yeah. but not necessarily directly. Because this is the thing, you can be seduced into it by this beauty, which is essentially an enhanced natural beauty, isn't it? Birds, waters, winds, the air, all agreeing in this lovely harmony. Mm. And you could even make out a case that on some levels, these things are quite innocent. It, see, one of the big questions that, that's going to come up towards the end of the poem is... Guyan's destruction of the bar and whether it's justified and whether it's maybe excessive, brutal over the top and, and, and Spencer really wants us to ask those questions and, and they're very interesting questions because they, they relate among other things to recent history mm. you know, the, the Reformation think how many beautiful English churches were destroyed one way or another by reforming zealots. And I suppose poetry and art as well. Like, obviously architecture is art, but other forms of art and poetry that would have been Catholic. Well, yeah. All out those, the door. Yeah, well, all those wonderful books that were destroyed, yeah. you know. That's, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I know, <laughs> But, well, that, that's right, but, you know, the, a Catholic church is full of paintings, music, incense, all sorts of things to incite the senses to mm. you know, take them away from the mundane from you know digging out the pig shed um, to somebody getting closer to God yeah that makes sense well, you know? Brian's here again he didn't wash it smells like pigs <laughs> that's right <laughs> put more incense on yeah <laughs> exactly. exactly you know God smells nice we assume that's the point isn't it yeah um, so there's something rigorously ideologically, grimly ideologically focused about destroying all that beauty because it's a distraction from God. You're not doing it because you're a vandal, because you're, you're a heathen. On the contrary, <laughs> indeed. It's springing from the highest religious motives. But it is horribly destructive and it takes what is beautiful and destroys it much as a vandal does. If you ever go to Ely Cathedral... Ely. Ely. Okay. It's a beautiful cathedral. It's near Cambridge. Okay. That's but this is... <laughs> he's interested in our relationship with art. Yes. In that's terms where we of were. sin. Um, in, in terms of w- what sin point does it become dis- sinful? Exactly. And at what point does it remain innocent? Yeah, and just human and... And an appreciation of God's bounty and gifts. You yeah. Know? God made a beautiful world. We shouldn't shit all over it in the interest of... Perhaps that's the point. Like, this is so cultivated. It's not God's bounty. It's a... We're trying to distill the best parts of God's bounty to have too much of it rather than be wandering through a forest and going, well, that's a nice tree. It's like every tree is nice. And that's not okay. It's a curated selection. Yeah. Yeah. Of essays. (laughs) 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 Um, That's right. Can't think of anything worse. (laughs) 
but also you've got you know all the lovely birds in harmony whereas most of the time you know there's some bird there nice bird nice bird nice bird <laughs> but they're <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all singing together. That's a nice to do in a fountain. That one's not too bad. That one's okay. Yeah. <laughs> right. Rather than them be everywhere. Yeah. yeah. Yes, exactly. And in art, we do that. We put them all together and we cultivate them. And it's saying, okay, well, this is it. In reality, it's like. Yeah. A... And, and then it begins to take over whatever lies behind it it begins to detract yeah it begins to become yeah. the object of interest rather than a guess... means through which you might arrive at you know an appreciation of God mm. and if you're listening out for birds your vigilance is being rewarded mm. whereas here you, your vigilance yes is being overstocked um, and you stop being vigilant to the thing you just accept yes. yeah it's just more of it coming you're in you're being artificially pumped yeah, full of chicken nuggets for the senses. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Hello, dude. <laughs> hey. That's why there's this emphasis on perfumed. Everything is perfumed and almost excessive, you know. Yeah. A sense yeah, not meant to be discovered, not Yeah, well, something. That's, that's right. Smells should be subtle. Yeah. You know, yeah. they lead you... It's interesting. Perfume is particularly important here because, of course, that was there were very few analogues for incense in a Protestant church. Right. So that kind of overpowering, sickly, sweet, heavy, druggy incense smell was something that would have. Well, it spells Catholicism in flashing neon letters <laughs> to a <laughs> right to a Protestant. But it would be particularly. It would be. The most excessy kind of excess you could have. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Mm. That's the, yeah. Yeah. I got you. So that's that's why I get right through this canto. Lots and lots of smells. <laughs> nice smells, but uh, but but again, see an excess of a, a lovely smell. It's going to turn into something less pleasing, isn't it? Yes. Got a cloy. Like. A Mars bar is nice if you have half of one, but if you have six... Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> if you're force-fed six Mars bars. Mm, tummy ache. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Here we are, the joyous birds, the line 70, uh, stanza 71, shrouded in cheerful shade. And, and that, of course, cheerful shade is a slightly worrying, not exactly a paradox, but in like, terms of the locus of Venus, yeah. shade shouldn't be cheerful. Shade so, no, um... Oxymoron? Yeah. Well, sort of. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of skirting on one. <laughs> kind of oxymoron. A quasi-oxymoron. Ooh. Yeah. Angelical, soft, trembling voices made the instrument's divine respondents meet with the base murmur of the water... murmur of the water's fall. The water's fall with difference discreet, now soft, now loud, unto the wind did call. The gentle, warbling wind low answer to all. You see how there's a... There's a, a rhetorical figure there where you take one item and you move to the next and then you move to the next, which is re- here representing the sort of chain of voices and sounds and so on. It's kind of circulate. And it's cultivated, isn't it? Very cultivated, yes, absolutely. It's it's a rhetorical term here, which is sometimes you call by the logical term serites, which is a series. I've got it here. Oh. Oh, well. No, no, you would have told me last time. Oh, okay. <laughs> Don't be impressed. <laughs> <laughs> okay. it's a rhetorical term for 
linking well, for, for linking a succession of items sometimes you come back to the first item so the wood spoke to the waters the waters sang to the clouds the clouds danced to polka you know so when people say well I spoke to Patrick who'd heard from Chris <laughs> who was told by Kevin that, like it's the same device uh, sort of but, okay. then, but there it's kind of purely utilitarian isn't it I mean yeah. in a sense it's just a chain of I wonder if that's why that's kind of a common it's like a comedic thing they sometimes do. Oh, well, people yes. do, you know? That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> oh, well, you, you know the Tom Lehrer mathematician's song? Right. He goes, I've got a friend in Tomsk who's got a friend in Omsk who's got a friend in Nipokovsk. Like that, like right. That's right, isn't it? Is it Latin? What? Sorites? Sorites. That's Greek. Oh. Oh. Soro, sister. Oh, I see. Oh, like the sisters holding cans yeah. in a chain. That wasn't... Well, the thought. It's <laughs> <laughs> a nice idea. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Rhetorical terms are generally Greek in origin. Okay. What's the fair way? Ah, hold on. I've lost this. Oh, yes. The, the angelical, soft, trembling voices made to the instrument's divine respondency, that to me has a kind of quasi-eroticised quality. Maybe I'm just being a bit excitable at this stage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, perhaps, yeah. Could be. Sex dungeon. Sex dungeon. <laughs> with angelical choirs. Mm. Why not? The waters fall with difference discreet, now soft, now loud, unto the wind did call the gentle warbling wind. No answer at all. So it's a symphony. It's a carefully, again, curated I was here. Yeah. Yeah. mixture of sounds. There, whereas the mu- there, whence that music seemed heard to be, was the fair witch herself now solacing with a new lover, mm. whom those sorcery and witchcraft she from far did thither bring. Whom, sorry, a big one. There she had had him now laid a slumbering in secret shade. She's got this power. She's 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 in you know in some sense a kind of classic femme fatale. It's mm. um, love Adam some missy, right? With that, yeah. Well, that's right. Yes, or the idea of her. Yeah, that's right. And that's what's important. The idea. Yeah. 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 While round about them pleasantly did sing many fair ladies and lascivious boys <laughs> that ever mixed their song with light licentious toy. Eh? Vibe of Weibermacht, naja, wirklich. Das stimmt. Nein! And all that while right over him she hung with her false eyes fast fixed in his sight. As seeking medicine went when she was strong or greedily depasturing delight. Depasturing is a good word there, isn't it? Literally feeding. A pastor oh. feeds his sheep. Depasturing. So she's feeding upon him. Vampiric. She's sucking out his goodness or something. Well, that was the anxiety, wasn't it? It was the anxiety. It was your lifeblood. That's that's exactly it. Yeah. That's exactly it. And while you're asleep, they just... That's right. Exactly. No one was lining up to do this. (laughs) Um. (laughs) Now, again, you you, you don't know Red Dwarf, do you? No. Um, Sorry. Well, again, you should should look at... There's there's an episode called... um, Sirens, P S I R E N S. <laughs> so it's a combination, yeah. and that, that has a, a wonderful kind of you know archetypal display of of, of uh, 
vampiric, beautiful female creature who sucks out your brains. All right. Let's <laughs> <laughs> take a look. Hey, really dispatching the right. Departure And often climbing down with kisses light for fear of waking him is this bedewed. So, because this is our first... Duessa isn't really represented this way. This is our first femme fatale, vibe-marked woman. So this tradition, Salome... Yes, that's yep. the first one. Uh, well, I'm just kind uh, of oh, there are so many. setting up the... Oh, okay. There are so many. What? And also there's a kind of moral ambiguity because Judith is also one. Yes. And she's even more dangerous. One of them does it through just seducing. Well, that, that's Salome, yes. Yeah. And the other one seduces in order to chop head. Yes. Yeah. That's... That's, um, that's Judith. Judith, yes. Okay. And, and Judith was the one who was raped as a kid and then... No, you're, no, you're, you're confusing her with the painter of Judith. Artemisia Gentileschi. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and then she presents Judith as seem, seeming very uh, yes, pleased please, with right. her work. That's right. Yeah. Exactly. And also and kind of sadomasochistic, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So male anxiety that... Yeah, women are going to suck out your lifeblood because they thought exactly. sperm was lifeblood. Right off your ghoulies. Um, yes, that, yes, they did. And of course, well, that, that was the sort of medical belief. That sperm is a kind of rarefied blood. So, <laughs> you know, the fact that humans have survived. I know, I know. Endlessly surprised. Well, they actually thought that women also had rarefied blood and they contributed to the, the interaction. So there was a kind of mixture of sperm, um, yeah, which was really a mixture of blood. <sighs> but Dunn talks about that in uh, The Flea. He talks about their two bloods being mingled. Since our two bloods mingled me, well, that's, that's it, you know, we've done it. There's no point in <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yes, you're right. You're right. How do we manage? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, um, and then yeah, I suppose Spencer is kind of a turning point in terms of the representation of these figures. Like he's a big, I suppose so. Yeah. Influence on it. Oh, huge. Well, I mean, Duessa is a kind of. Yeah, vibe marked. Vibe marked, um, and yeah, and also because the whole point. You see, I, I, you make that distinction um, in that article. Yes. Between the the. The femme fatale who works by rather sort of, I don't know, passive, merely sexual means, mm. and this other figure who has a kind of power. Violence, but the, sublimity. Yeah, well, yes, because the kind of power that comes from, well, even a kind of sorcery, witchcraft, yeah. a kind of unknown, unknowable, disturbing other kind of power. It's very much part of the tradition. The male anxiety, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Though, though, the sublimity thing, yeah, is, is kind of different. Because she does take that from the gothic villain and just kind of yeah. uses it herself. Yeah. It's gone. I did it. Oh. It's it's off. Oh, I see. Yeah, I worked through it all. Thank you. Oh, good. Endlessly helpful, your suggestions. Oh, good. So thank Excellent. you. <laughs> <Excellent>. <laughs> um, and I said to the editor, I would like to put this footnote in on Milton. Let me know if there's space. <laughs> <coughs> so <coughs> we wait and see. Oh, by the way, those kisses, I don't know if it's putting too much in, but they do remind me slightly of La Belle Dame, her kisses, <coughs> kisses three. Alone and palely loitering, though the sedge is withered from the lake. 
And no... No birds sing. sing. Crazy thing is, I want to say, I fear the ancient mariner. I fear they... Hang on. <laughs> I've got it, I've got it. Lulubaldam. She closed my eyes with kisses three. Uh, I made a girl for her head. I set her on my pacing speed. She found me roots. Elfin grot. Ah. She took me to her elfin grot, and there she swept inside full sore. And there I shot her wild, wild eyes with kisses, kisses four. four. That's right. Why is that important? Oh, oh kisses it, three. Well... No? There are kisses in here, but I suppose kisses... <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I just thought Keats might have got them from here, that's all. Maybe. You're right. Um, Often clowning down with kisses like. Yeah. Anyway, it's not, it's not that important from my point of view. And more importantly, and through his humid eyes, did suck his sprite. Yes, yes, bit of sprite sucking going on there. It's just the line is so gross. It stands out. From all, <laughs> now later, slumbering, yes. pleasantly did sing, suck his sprite. Suck his sprite. <laughs> Monosyllabic. Yes. yes. <laughs> but of course, as we know, one of the primary means of spirit was semen. Uh, so when people say, "I want a spiritual way." Language is a mess. (laughs) That's right. Okay. That's right. Put more spirit into it. (laughs) (laughs) The noble elf and careful palmer drew so nigh them, minding naught, but lustful game, that suddenly they on him rushed and threw a subtle net, which only for the name the skilful palmer formerly did frame. For the same, I'm sorry. It's interesting, isn't it? Suddenly nets have changed their moral meaning. They're wicked things when they're crazy and throws them. Uh, but they're great when the palmer throws palmer them. The palmer throws them, yeah. It's yes. funny as well, they don't talk to her, they don't... No! They're I, just I, like, pah, through I'm surprise. Not, excuse me, madam, what are you doing with this young man here? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so held them under first, the wiles of the rest fled all away for fear of fouler shame. So they don't want to be exposed, all her other... What do we call them? Chaps? <laughs> the fair enchantress, so unwares oppressed, tried all her arts and all her slates, thence out to rest. Breast meaning captured. And eke her lover strove, but all in vain, for that same net so cunningly was wound, that neither guile nor force might it distrain. They took them both, and both them strongly bound in captive bands, which there they really found. <laughs> Lots of bondage material lying around. <laughs> On the forest it's nice, floor. It's a nice touch, isn't it? They opened up a tree. <laughs> they oh, put it in there earlier. That's right. Uh, Palmer, pass through those handcuffs over there. <laughs> the ones, the ones with the fur and the seeds. It's almost like whatever you, whatever you want to see, you see. It's the forest of requirement, the locus aminus of requirement. That's right. That's right. But her in chains of adamant he tied, for nothing else might keep her safe and sound. But verdant, so he hight, he soon untied, and council sage instead thereof to him applied. Oh, that's good. The council sage. <laughs> Don't let the... And he's like... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes. Where am I? <laughs> that's right. Yeah. That's right. Don't let beautiful women tie you up to trees. I asked her to. Don't let her. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. I paid quite a lot of money for this. <laughs> Don't worry, we're here to rescue you. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Yes. Oh, but yes, exactly. That rescue... And keeping her safe and sound, which is rather a nice ironic. But um, you know, you know, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Mm-hmm. Well, you remember when 
he bursts into the the castle of the, the, the anthrax castle yeah. anthrax, where they're out to have their spanking game and he's like no I would really like yes, to that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I could just test my resolve <laughs> <laughs> I love it <laughs> but all and now this, this is one of the crucial stanzas of course but all those pleasant hours and palace palace brave sorry all those pleasant bowers and pleasant palace brave Guyon broke down with rigour pitiless no aught their goodly workmanship might save them from the tempest of his wrathfulness. But then their bliss he turned to balefulness, their groves he fed, their gardens he, fe- he felled, their gardens did deface, their arbours spoil, their cabinets suppress. Cabinets are garden bowers. Their banquet houses burn, their buildings race, and of the fairest late are made the foulest place. Is he making fun of the dissolution of the monasteries? Well, I don't. Uh, no, I don't know if he's making fun Point of it or not. I mean, he's, he's pointing to it absolutely. <laughs> this absolutely excessive violence. What on earth was the point of it? I mean, you, all right, you confiscate the land and you give it to your buddies, um, and maybe you flog off a bit of the gold and silver. But do you have to burn all the damn books and scrape all the paintings from the wall and knock down the statues? And, this kind of hysterical. We're seeing that now. Well. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Well. I mean, it's a little like what happened when you know the uh, Islamic State people got into uh, sort of an ancient, ancient um, Arab city, you know, and destroyed. I know it's horrible. It's horrible. Horrible. <laughs> cultural revolution, I suppose. Yeah, the cultural revolution. That's exactly it. And and you know all these people can't be can't be monsters or idiots or, or oafs. Some of them might well have some of this understanding of the value of these things, but they're driven to it because if you don't do it in a spirit of violent oppressiveness, you're not going to do it at all. You're not going to destroy beautiful objects, except out of some overwhelming emotion, which is mixed up with things like um, fear, possibly, mm-hmm. and uh, anger, very much anger. You know, Guyon in the tempest of his wrathfulness. Is that appropriate for the, no. the night of, of... No. But and I think... I think this is all linked with... Well, basically, the crazier. And the crazier as femme fatale, mm-hmm. and so on. There is no moderate response that will sever you from a, as a possible victim from her, except a kind of absolutely violent repudiation, destruction. You can't compromise. You can't say, oh, well, I'll just stay for tea and maybe have some of those nice chocolate fingers. Uh, because, you know, the next morning you're, you're, you're hung over and you're hanging by your heels from the ceiling and you're... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, there's no way around it. So you've got to... Completely destroy. Uh, you, so you've got to take on a kind of wrath, a, a kind of total... Yeah, exactly. A, a, a destructive wrath. Um, it's kind of like... We talked about how Henry... Henry? Who could have claimed conquest but didn't? Oh, uh, Henry Richmond, yes. Yes. So he wanted to keep what was there because he was going to build out of it and he didn't want the people turning against him. But then when Henry VIII, you know, essentially wants to go his own way, 
with the church, he realises he has to burn it all down and start again because the dregs will... Well, the church side of it, yeah. Yeah. That's right, exactly, exactly, exactly. No half measures are possible here. That is why, that is why I mean, it looks awful to us, but in a sense it's the logical corollary of this. If you're, if you're destroying something so fundamental to people's lives, something you know, essential in the history of England, something so rooted... Uh, you can only do it like a maniac with an axe. You can't, you can't negotiate. Well, perhaps if you stop doing this bit, <laughs> yeah, maybe you know, you just can't a little negotiate lesson. with culture. No. And is it also in some way a representation of the fall? Like Guyon's response seems insane yes. <laughs> and over the top, and he destroys everything to start again. Like, is that part of it? He's well, playing God a little bit. Uh, I, I suppose so. I mean, certainly God's very thorough. <laughs> Brigade of Paradise Lost. Um, not Brigade. Nine? No. Ten. Ten and eleven. Mm. Yeah, but mainly ten. Mainly ten, yes. Sorry. Um, yeah, that's right. Uh, and it's very interesting, isn't it? Because it's an insight into a lot of stuff that's happened since then, for which probably the only analogue would have been the de- destruction of the, or the, the dissolution of the monasteries. Because, you know, you can think of, I don't know, Vikings and Mongols and Tartars, but they don't go through destroying things I assume on principle. I, I, they just, just, you know, the way they operate. Mm. The Vikings, the Vikings interested in portable treasure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Give us your raw materials and shiny things. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. Yeah. But the idea that you have to destroy this thing that might even be have been close to you at some point, because of course you know everyone was born in that period a Catholic and had to move away from it by some kind of intellectual conversion or whatever. The only way to do it is kind of hold your nose and go bonkers. Uh, Jump is, in the cold water, yeah. Yes, that's right, and that's what he's showing us here. So, although it looks weird, he's inviting you to think about why Guyon is behaving in this excessive, over-the-top way. Mm. And if you think about it, in fact, it's the only way he can behave. There's no compromise with the forces he's fighting with. You, you, you give a bit, and you're sucked in, and you're a craziest prisoner again. So, yeah, there's that one moment when he, he sees the girls in the fountain. Wrestling. Wrestling. And he draws a bit closer and, you know, <laughs> cuts him. There you go. Whips out a notebook. Hmm, wrestling in the fountain. No, no, it's just this joke that, you know, people, historians said they were best friends, you know, Achilles and Patrick or whatever. Oh, right. Historians said they were wrestling. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> Because, you know, yes. lesbian sex isn't real or whatever, yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Just, yeah. Just good friend. <laughs> Dragged Hector's body around the walls of Troy. How many times? <laughs> that's right. Thrice fugitive. So I think that's one way of thinking about this, where he's inviting a response, isn't he? And you could have said, had it in a statue and said, so, um, you know, Guyon and the Palmer try to prevent a recurrence of this unfortunate incident. <laughs> so they destroy the whole thing, the pleasure guard and the lust of the eye. The whole, mm, yeah. Yeah. But that wouldn't be enough. Well, but, you, but your point is you, you destroy the thing the eye is lusting after. You don't, 
it you can don't spring up. Change the attitude. No, so it can spring up next week. Yeah. So you can't destroy it. Yeah. So it's, it's not even a useful thing to do. But it's useful for them emotionally. In, in other words, of establishing an absolute difference between them and, and, and the. And that, I guess, is the, the point. Temperance is a constant tussle. Yes. Guy on still hasn't learned his lesson. Exactly. He brought, he really. Sh- well, what can you do? You just have to go, well, not for me, and leave. Yeah. You that's win, right, that's and right. then you get, you're one of the elect, you get elevated to heaven. Eventually, yes. Eventually. But for. Yes, for, for and this. What are you meant to do for the others, you know? Exactly. They'll probably meet Phaedria about on the way back, because she's the only ferryman. <laughs> and <laughs> it, it kind of like Mammon, you know, you got he got tested, and he kind of did the theory, but it'd be a long one. It is. Well, there have been a few little dis- excursions. Yeah, I'll be able to cut out probably half an hour. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> so... so. They then led her away, and eke that night with them led, both sorrowful and sad, the way they came, that same return they write, <laughs> they arrived where they lately had, charmed those wild beasts that raged with fury mad. They're not, they're not taking any risks, they're going back the same way they came, which now awaking, fierce at them gan fly, as, as in their mistress rescue, whom they had. You see, she's, she's maltreated them, but they still want to rescue her, they're still kind of enthralled to her. They're still in this kind of masochistic slave relation. Mm. And that's going to be, you know, very hard to change in a, in a permanent way. But then the palmer soon did pacify. And guy, well, however he does that, <laughs> no struggle, you notice, it just, just pacifies him. <laughs> just. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's a bit like his, I mean, he's a bit like the anti-Circe. Yeah. Because his wand, when you whack him with his wand... It they turns everyone off. into rational beasts. Exactly. <laughs> oh, not men, I guess. Well. <laughs> I don't, yeah, <laughs> yes. Whereas when, when she whacks them, they turn into ravening beasts, yes. Then said, said he, these seeming beasts are men indeed, whom this enchantress hath transformed thus, when on her lovers, which her lust did feed, now turned into figures hideous, according to their minds like monstrous. Sad end, quoth he, of life intemperate, and mournful need of joys delicious. But Palmer, if it might be so a great, let them return it be unto their former state. A great mean of please, of course. Straightway he with his virtuous staff them struck, and straight of beasts they come, the comely men became. Yet, being men, they did unmanly look, and stared ghastly, some for inward shame, and some for wrath, to see their captive dame. But one above the rest in special that had an hog been late, height Grill by name, repined greatly and did him miscall, that had from hoggish form him brought to natural. <laughs> and of course he's, um, this is Grillus, who was one of Ulysses' companions, again, who repines at being restored to manhood. Mm. Recalling, of course, as I think we, we mentioned, the age-old conundrum. Is it better to be a happy pig or an unhappy Socrates? Socrates. Yes. Which is good. It's interesting. Good. A lot of people that prefer to be happy pigs. I think it's an unhappy. So I've chosen the life of an unhappy Socrates. <laughs> what am I saying? I don't get a choice anymore. That's who I am. That's right. Yes, exactly. Is it? Yes, it's, it, you can't really go back to being a happy pig. That's why Grill is repining. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. It's much more comfortable. A crate of tinnies in the footy. <laughs> No. 
No. Not for me. No. <laughs> me neither. Said Gaian, see the mind of beastly man that hath it so soon forgot the excellence of his creation. A new life began. The man who chooseth with vile difference to be a beast and lack intelligence. To whom the palmer thus, the dunghill kind delights in filth and foul incontinence. <laughs> I love that. Let Grill be Grill and have his hoggish mind. But let us hence depart, whilst weather serves, and wind. Which is a lovely ending. Grill be Grill and have his hoggish mind. Have, of course, used to mean keep. That's why you can have your you can have your cake and eat it too. Or you can't have your cake and eat it too, rather. You can't keep your cake and you eat can't keep it, it and eat it. If you've eaten it, you can't keep it. If you keep it, you can't eat it. Until you eat it. Then you can't keep it. <laughs> Something just came loose. <laughs> yeah, yes. That's yes. also why the marriage service talks about to have and to hold. Oh, to keep and to hold. Yes, exactly. Oh, that's nice. So. Well, I think we've done that. <laughs> I think we have. We're getting off the island, although we don't. Yeah, what happens if they bump into Fajri on the way back? Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.